Steve Allen. So as Colleen arrives in Poland in a private jet, so in touch with the common people, isn't she really? 14,000 quid Colleen Rooney spent, or the old man did. You'd have thought, actually, as the hair's falling out that he put in last week or two weeks ago. Looks ridiculous now. It now looks like somebody's... It's the kind of thing you'd make with Fuzzy Felt Farm. Looks ridiculous. So Colleen flies in because she's, like, you know, in touch with everybody. Not. Doesn't want to go anywhere near other people. I mean, what have they got to talk about? Why did you charter a private jet? God in heaven, you're working class. What are you doing wasting 14 grand? Spare a thought for poor Shane Phelan of Westlife, who's just declared himself bankrupt. £18 million debts. I thought gambling too. Nothing to do with get Well, it was gambling of a sort. He gambled on property. They put it into a housing estate, uh, and the houses didn't sell. I think there was something like 300 houses, only 50 sold, and had to sell those at below the cost of putting them up. Uh, a shopping mall collapsed, a school, all various things that he's put his money into. Shows how much money they must have made in Westlife. If he could afford to put 18 million in, but it's, it's left them with nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. And so, and then, of course, they have to ask Louis Walsh. And Louis's gone, he, you know, don't worry, he'll make all his money again. He'll be a big star. Louis Walsh is living in cloud cuckoo land. He really is. Shane's not going to be a big star. Westlife, I think, are on tour. And uh, the money from that will presumably keep them going for a little bit. But if you've just lost 18 million, it's, it's quite, quite a chunk to lose. Uh, they're occupying uh, London. Not for much longer. We're kicking out empty tents again. This is where you find a few people who've just joined the bandwagon, who turn up outside an area. This is Finsbury Square. This is where they went after we managed to get rid of them from outside St Paul's. You know, these are the people who urinated in the church. These are the people who made filthy mess outside of a church. You know, one of the biggest the most impressive Wren structures in the entire country. And these people, they weren't interested in anything else. They don't work. Well, they do, actually. That's the trouble. They have normal jobs. They just pretend to be anarchists, you know, part-time. So they go down, and they like a bit of a confrontation with the police. To be honest with you, I'll just bring in water cannon. It's, it's so, it works in other countries. Water cannon. Oh, we, we, we got really wet. So? Who cares? Doesn't make any difference. Whoosh, out. They've been there since October. Again, a lot of empty tents. There's hardly anybody living there at all. But the police will clear them all out. And I assume within about the next probably two hours, the whole lot will, will have gone. So far, it's uh, cost the council 26000 on security. You're paying for this. You're paying for it. 26000 on security. £12,000 in rent. £20,000 worth of damage to the square. £20,000 worth of damage. Cause it, well, let's sue these people. Let's make them pay for it. Make them pay for it. Why not? Seems fair enough. If you go onto somebody's property and you damage it, you pay for it. That's, that's how the law works, isn't it, in this country? I wasn't aware there were two separate ones, but you're always going to find a few people. Yeah, the police come in and they did this and they did that. They're just evicting people on the strength of a court notice. The court grant them notice to clear the site and they're clearing the site. Presumably by whichever means is going to be the most effective. I'm sick to death of coming into London and seeing people living in tents all over the place. I mentioned yesterday, and it's obviously quite quite apropos because it's cropped up in the news again today, about uh, a car park down the road from us at uh, home base where somebody appears to have moved in at the back, living in a, not a caravan, but living in a, like a camper van. IKEA have now employed security guards to stop travellers. They're not gypsies, they're travellers entering the car parks and setting up home. They did it down at another home base uh, outside Richmond. But I love the story the other day. There's a farmer called Mr Dawson. Mr Dawson um, has, has a farm, being a farmer. And he suddenly discovered, uh, this is near Shoreham, yesterday morning, about 6am, there were four caravans parked on his land. 
Well, Mr Dawson, not one for shirking his responsibility, decided they were going come hell or high water. These people are illegals. They just drive their vans onto his land. So he got out his, uh, his uh, crane, his dinkum digger, and said, either you move it or I'm going to smash your caravans to pieces. Anyway, he'd already spoken to the police. And the police had said, well, you know, you do stand the risk of being arrested, which seems a bit ludicrous in this day and age when it's his own, his own property. But anyway, he actually shifted them in three hours. He kicked them out in three hours. And here they all are, the big, fat, mouthy little blokes, you know, looking a bit girly. And a couple of other people, why can't we park here? You know, we are travellers, we do travelling. Well, go travelling then. Go travelling. Anyway, he, three hours it took him off. Three hours and they were out. Remember how long it took him to get rid of Dale Farms people? You know, the illegals down there. Nobody had any problem with legal people. It's the illegals. You know, the people who spend a lot of time in prison. The people who spend a lot of time thieving, who bring shame on decent travellers. You know, people like Paddy Doherty and his vile family. What do they spend most of their time doing? Appearing in court. It doesn't do, you know, people go, oh, everybody's victimising us. No, no, no. You victimise yourselves. You need to weed out the rubbish inside a group, kick them out and start again. It's the only way you're going to do it. And don't let cameras in and do silly things like my big fat traveller wedding. Because it was stupid. Made you look ridiculous and idiotic. But now Ikea have decided they don't want them there on their land, so they've got security guards. And I suspect most other places will have. It's as simple as that. You have to, you have to keep people. You know, if you want land, they'll go and do what the rest of us do. You know, I'm sure we'd all love to travel around the country in a transit van, not paying any rent, not paying any tax, you know, and just taking in cash money. I'd love to do that. I'd love a job like that. Oh, blimey. I tell you, I, I think I might go and occupy London. I might be a protester. This morning I could be a protester. I could, I could take my little tent, go down there and go, I'm protesting against this. I was interested to hear about the minimum wage. Interested to hear on how much money and a, and a driver, a chauffeur. The difference between a driver and a chauffeur, I think, is that the chauffeur owns the car, the driver rents the car, the car, pardon me, from the company. And he was going home because he'd earned £200. So I worked out he's earning about 50 grand a year. Which actually, for a chauffeur, is not bad money. That's not bad money. It, it's probably roughly akin to doing most other jobs. Bearing in mind, if he's taken £200 today, he's got to take off his tax, the wear and tear on the car, petrol, all sorts of things, sitting around. I've spoken to taxi drivers before and I've said oh you know how many jobs have you had tonight and they've gone you're the first and this will be at about you know three o'clock in the morning you're the first you think what time did you start they went eight o'clock they get what from eight o'clock till three you've had one job and it's me they go yeah I said well how much do you earn on most days and some of them said well you know some days we get eight to ten jobs which is great other days you might only get one job or two jobs because there's a lot of people competing for it. So it, it's not the easy job that people think it is. People think, oh, I'll just go and get a, a Prius from the, this, this company, whoever it happens to be, and I'll go out driving and I'll make, you know, loads of money. No, no, no. The only people who make loads of money are the black cab drivers. Because they can go out there and they can earn money any time they like. They don't need to rely on anybody at all, unless you're with radio taxis or something like that. But you, you, you can go out there and you can poodle around. So if you're sitting at home going, I'll open my wallet. Ooh. Nothing in here. Dust. And you just get in the cab and you go out and you do a couple of hours and you pick up 50 quid or whatever it is. And, th- and, that's, and that's why it's the licence to print money. Because you can earn as much as you want the longer you stay out, provided you get fares. And, of course, during the daytime, when it's been raining, they've loved it. It's been fantastic for the, for the black cabs. You know, anything that kicks the minicabs, the illegals, they're still touting, though. I still see minicabs touting up there, even with the stickers on. 
as approved by uh, by the mayor's office. They're still touting. I watched them up there. Uh, you know, I could. Uh, I think one of the newspapers could spend an evening at Piccadilly Circus writing down car numbers and finding out why they're touting when it's totally forbidden, totally illegal. Black cabs can do it. Black cabs can cruise along the side of the street. You put your hand out. Mini cabs can't do that. You've got to pre-book, or you have to you have to order them. But I watch them at Piccadilly Circus every night, touting illegal people. You know, doing it for a bit of cash in hand. You know, they won't be telling the company that they work for that they're doing this. They just say, "Oh, I'm just having a break for an hour." But they'll they'll be picking up people staggering drunk out of the clubs up the road. That's what they do. So in between that and the fact it's not raining and the fact it was actually quite nice weather yesterday, all in all, it's been very nice. Very nice indeed. We, we, we did worry about uh, Colleen and co arriving. Colleen chartering a private jet. I mean, God, blimey, do me a favour. I don't know why. I don't know why that made me feel ill. I don't know why that made... And then she... And, and when she gets off the plane the other end, she gets into a blacked-out windows people carrier and she gets whisked off to a five-star hotel. And you think, I'm sorry... Isn't this your, your hairless husband playing? What's it got to do with you? You know, why do the wives go out there? Answer, because it's a publicity stunt. Talking of publicity stunts, it isn't really. If you want to meet Cheryl Cole, and this is at her, her new huge concerts where Cheryl will be singing live... <coughs> sorry. <coughs> all the way through. She'll be singing as live as she... Po- <coughs> do beg your pardon. Uh, as live as she possibly can. But if you want to meet Cheryl... They do what they call, and they do it for all these celebrities, in inverted commas, they do meet-and-greet packages. And this is where you, uh, you'll, you'll be taken backstage or into a, into a private room, and you have your picture taken with Cheryl, and she'll put her arm round you and pretend she likes you, and you pay, you pay money up front for that. How, how much to meet Cheryl Cole and have a picture taken? £350. That's, that's what she's charging. £350 is the, uh, the package. Her spokesman said... Or, well, I mean, to be honest with you, if you're a fan, then you'll probably pay anything through the nose. But if, like me, you just think she's a stumped-up little nothing from Newcastle who's got a chequered history and has got a foundation, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you know me and foundations. This is the Cheryl Cole Foundation. Now, this is for people who have an awful lot of money who channel it into a company. OK, they channel it into their own foundation. And the foundation is generally set up, I think Elton John is an AIDS foundation. So he gives money to AIDS charities. I think George Michael's got a foundation. Lots of people with a lot of money have got foundations. And the reason is there are lots and lots of tax advantages. So Cheryl Cole has the Cheryl Cole Foundation. Her spokesman said yesterday, all profit made from the sale of VIP tickets... Now, wait a minute. Let me, let me just get this right. All profit made. Now, I'm assuming out of 350 quid, it must all be profit because it hasn't cost her anything to stand there and put her arm round you, has it? D- d- does that cost money now? No. All the money, he says, goes directly to her foundation. In other words, it goes directly to her. You know, it's gone directly to the Cheryl Cole Foundation, and that's to help disadvantaged youngsters. Now, far be it from me to query this, but I mean, I knew about this foundation. Well, I knew she was doing something. I didn't know she'd set up a foundation. I'd love to see the books. I'd love to see just how much money has gone through, because I'm sure that Cheryl, coming from a disadvantage, because you remember, if they if, if they'd put VAT on pasties, Cheryl would have way I starved. You know, the last would be nothing. Nothing. Because she told us that in some naff interview the other day. So I'd be interested to find out how she's helping disadvantaged youngsters. Because at the moment, she's really, really busy. She's photographed in Paris. She's rehearsing for the tour. She's hanging around with Will A. Am. Because she wanted to take him to see the sights of Newcastle. 
for that turn on Geordie Shore on the television. You don't need to take him to Newcastle to see what a dump it is. And, uh, and now 350 quid, but the money goes to her foundation. And this helps disadvantaged youngsters. And I, I merely would be interested to see, because it must be a registered charity, mustn't it, I'm assuming. I think that's how they work. So uh, we'll try and find out, because I think that's quite nice. And incidentally, as Blue Peter helped you make Tracy Island all those years ago, can it help you make uh, Uncle Rich's Olympic Jamboree? It'd be rather nice if we saw Helen Skelton attempting to recreate the British countryside on Blue Peter. I fear it will never happen. LBC 97.3. Morning, so we're clearing out Finsbury Square this morning, and then the council have to move in and sort of jet wash it and do all the rest of it. Uh, Organised by the Islington Council, this uh, clear out of Occupy London, after a successful court action by the authority. 135 tents, I suggest about 103 of them are empty tents. I think they just put them up, then they wander off. They did that outside St Paul's, and a lot of people now who are waking up are going, oh, right, the police are moving in, we've been to nip down there. Photo opportunity. So there'll be a lot of people nipping down there on their terribly expensive bicycles, and uh, so they go, OK, yeah, oh, sorry, uh, please shout, please shout. That's generally how it works, isn't it, with these kind of things. And then they get back in the car and go, uh, uh, tea, anybody? Tea? Tea? Let's go back to my place for tea. Because I'm sure it's all middle-class people. I don't think they're all working-class people. They certainly weren't when they invicted from the front of uh, St Paul's. Uh, it's been cleared by a private security company, otherwise known as Neanderthals, and the Met Police have uh, confirmed that they are in attendance. So we'll let you know. At the moment, I'm sort of scanning the televisions to find out. But I think most of the film crews have either sort of lost the will to live or, the, or they just can't be bothered. So if it all kicks off, you'll hear about it first on LBC 97.3, which is good news. Um, one here from Mark who says, I'm, I'm rarely up this early to hear the early part of your show. I'm flying to Sweden in a few hours for a weekend cycle ride. Oh, that sounds quite nice. I quite like the idea of it. Do you take the bike with you, or do you rent a bike over there? Uh, Patsy says, Jackie's on a fabulous holiday. Off to Spain, and you're going with her, apparently. She's at the Hilton at Gatwick. She's leaving at 3am. Even too early for you, Stevie. Excuse I get up at 2. I get up at 2. I'm a 2am person, which I quite like, actually. Over in Orlando... David Miles says, I've looked at the hippo pics, Hippodrome, because they're on the LBC website. Very nice, very different. They've really opened the place up. All the false ceilings gone. Love the penny floor. Are they old pennies? Yes. Uh, did you know the Hippodrome first opened in 1901 as a permanent circus? I've got two accounting books from 1901. It was owned by Moss Empires. All of it handwritten in pound shillings and pence. Payment for acts at their theatres around the country. I'll scan a couple of pages. Oh, do that. They're always looking as well for Hippodrome memorabilia for people who've worked there over the years, because they're, they're going to make a big montage of it and stuff like that. So uh, so let us know if, if, if anybody's got anything that they've got spare. Um, Traveller, says Andy, I had a problem with people parking on my small bit of land. I bought for my customers to park in behind the shop in Acton. I had clear signs saying customers only. They kept parking there, so I locked the gates, left it locked for hours. They soon came in and wanted to get out. I swore at them a little, waited till it poured with rain, so they got wet. Then I let them out. They never came back. Uh, yes, and uh, Paddy Doherty's uh, got a book out now. I know, I wouldn't waste your time and money, ladies and gentlemen. I really wouldn't. Let him sort out his, his finances, first of all. and then, Because, I mean, who's interested? You know, I'm, I'm not really interested in somebody who's a cage fighter. I'm really not interested in that. I'm, I'm absolutely not. Uh, why is it necessary, says Colin, to get uh, a court order to evict protesters? The police didn't get the court order. The council got the court order. The police don't get court orders. The police issue them and help enforce if, if force is needed. So it's the council who get the order and they go to the courts and they say, we need these people evicting because it's, it's costing money. And the court then grant it. The police go down there to make sure that the order is enforced, but it's got nothing to do with the police at all. Uh, he says here, 
Why can the British government not take the simple step of enacting a law making trespass a criminal offence? It is. Trespass is still a criminal offence, but you've still got to get to, to court to get the piece of paper which entitles you to evict somebody. Because if you remember, down at Dale Farm, there were a lot of people who, let's just put it politely, told blatant lies. I've got a terminal illness, you can't move me. Can't. It was just lies after lies after lies. And so that's why, unfortunately, we have to go to court and we do it again. And, again. and it's taken seven months. That's how slow the process is. We have cases over here, Colin, which you will probably not at all surprise. In fact, there was one poor woman on the paper. She goes out, she goes on holiday, she comes back and she's got squatters in the house who jeered at her from an upstairs window. They threw all her belongings out on the street. You can imagine if you're standing there in front of your own property and some tow rag is throwing your stuff out on the street and sticking two fingers up at you, knowing that you can't do anything, knowing that you've got to go to court to get them out. Well, you see, I wouldn't be, I'm afraid, as, uh, as meek and mild as that. I'd just make a few phone calls, bring in a few heavy people and kick them out. Suffer the consequences afterwards, as far as I'm concerned. It's, you know, I'm afraid I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be allowed to do anything else. Legally, I wouldn't. 84850. Hackney cabs are only supposed to pick passengers up as a designated taxi rank. No, they're not. No, that's why you hail them by the side of the street. When, when, when you see them on a taxi rank, they're actually sitting there going to sleep or having something to eat. No, that's why they're allowed to ply their trade. That's why it's hire and reward. You know, because you stand by the... Blum, I can't believe some people are that daft. Uh, water cannon, great idea for the protesters. It will wash away the mess, says Lisa. I don't know why we don't bring it back in. It's a brilliant idea, water cannon. It's so simple. You clean the streets at the same time and they get a bath. I mean, it, it's kind of result all round. I don't see what, what, what the problem is. They use it in other countries. Uh, great idea for all the protesters, Steve. Very good idea. Who could do damage in Finsbury Square. If students knew how to protest us in the 60s and 70s supported by supported Occupy London, perhaps the government would invest in small, medium-sized companies rather than in banks to create jobs and increase spending. Unfortunately, students' fees are their only interest today. Where do they go after? Well, well, back onto the dole queue. But let's face it, most students are a waste of time. Come on. You know what students do. They drink, they smoke drugs, they sort of hang around, they've all got dirty clothes. That's what students do. Only a few of them actually go there to study. The rest of them, it's like a bit of a holiday, isn't it? I'm going away to university. Woo, fantastic. I went past Finsbury Square, says Hugh, with a fair at 3.30. Fencing's up, 12 large police vans dotted around the Moorgate side, probably more than the square. Very calm and civilised. It's the pre-Olympic clean-up that was always coming. I mean, to be honest with you, you just can't let this this happen in London. This This is a working city. You know, I don't want to be disrupted. I don't want to have to fight through people. I remember when we had the big rubbish... Uh, debate some years ago, and the whole of Leicester Square, every inch of it was packed with rotting, stinking rubbish, because the bin men went on strike. You couldn't get anywhere. People used to walk through with handkerchiefs clutched to their noses. It was was really terrible. The whole of Leicester Square, in the middle of the square, round the outside, all the rubbish was dumped there. And you can imagine, from businesses around here, how much rubbish that would be. Answer, absolutely tons of it. Tons of it. Um, David Thomas, talking in the mail today, why I'm going into battle with Google to find out if it's stolen my family secrets. And Richard Littlejohn, talking about the countryside, which we were yesterday, which is going to feature at the Olympic Games. And he's literally picked up on what we said. I said yesterday, you know, where is the, you know, here, here we have the, uh, the lovely countryside and there's a cricket match and some ploughing and a tree from Glastonbury, Glastonbury Tour. And we've got this and a, and a lake and everything. I said, where are the travellers? Where are the people throwing old bedsteads, you know, in, onto people's land? And he's done exactly the same. 
He says here, a field of dreams, vibrant yellow rapeseed, giving a glimpse of today's countryside. And uh, a hunting we will go, pitched battle as the saboteurs collectively ambush a typical Barclay hunt. Uh, Swampy-inspired anti-road protesters chained to trees. Um, burning animal carcasses, you remember that, of 2001, for foot and mouth. And also, outside pursuits, dogging. He said, you know, we don't have any of these things. You should have this for the Olympic Games because that's what represents the countryside. And I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday who said, I'm so looking forward to seeing it. And I said, are you serious? And he said, absolutely. He said, it's going to look fantastic. He said, there's going to be chickens and ducks and horses. I said, you need to get out more. I said, you ask anybody. In fact, luckily, Kasia, who's Polish, as you can probably imagine, and, and is a hairdresser. And I said, being, being Polish, when you came to England... Did you expect to see rolling fields or did you want to see the Queen, Buckingham Palace, you know, policemen, red buses, black taxis? She said, yes, absolutely, Steve. She says like this because she Polish. And, and she said, yes, red buses. I said, so why have we not got those for the Olympics? Why have we not got, you know, Chelsea pensioners marching? Why, you know, all the things that all the tourists come here to see. Very rarely do the tourists go and sit in a field and go, oh, lovely, look, ducks. Because they've got ducks at home. They've got chicken. I'm assuming they've got chickens at home and horses and cows and stuff like that. I'm not too sure whether or not it's going to be okay. But by the time Michael had finished explaining it to me, I was sort of, I was sort of half interested. I wasn't totally interested. I'm not completely in favour of it because I just think that we should have done something. But he, he said to me, he said, "What would you have done?" And I said, "Well, I would have had a huge." dancing number, you know, tap dancing or something, anything that represented, you know, tap dancing, you know, yeoman of the guard, tap dancing, you know, marching bands. God knows we've got enough blooming marching bands in this country. You know, look at the Edinburgh military tattoo, sells out for the five nights it's on. Why not something like that? Sell it around the world and capitalise on it. Don't sell a field with some ducks on a pond. That's not going to encourage people, you know. You're living in Slovakia. I think we'll go to England. Why? I want to see ducks on pond. No, you come here to go to Buckingham Palace, you come here to see the Queen, you come here to come to Leicester Square so you can find out the home of real radio, uh, real good radio. And, uh, and that's why, you don't come here for anything else. I mean, let's face it, you don't come to England for the food, let's face it. You're not sitting there in Krakow at the moment going, do you know, I think I'll go for some of that lovely English food, because we don't have any. There is no such thing as lovely English food. And don't tell me jelly deals, because we're not, we're not buying into that idea at all. It's, it's roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. But, I mean, you are pushed to find that some of the time. But I did watch yesterday. The only way is Essex. But, in fact, this was the Marbella bit. And I've suddenly realised, I've worked out that Gemma, far from being sexy, is ugly. This is Jebba, who, who plays Jabba the Hutt. No, but I, I, I worked it out, and I've suddenly... I, I twigged. I sat there this morning, I was flipping through, and apart from that, the pool that they were working in appeared to be slightly overcrowded. Joey Essex with his arm round all the boys, as per usual, and uh, the Samfa Ears girls sitting there, as usual, bad-mouthing everybody, because they're just vile. And then Jabba the Hutt comes up and says to Arge who frankly is looking so unattractive. I mean, dear God in heaven. I mean, let's face it, she pulled well when she pulled him, but there again, before that it was Lydia Bright, and so he cheated with her. He'd done everything. Anyway, it doesn't matter. She then starts saying, don't you ever diss me and disgust me, and she's pointing her big fat finger at him. And then she starts undoing her top. I thought, please God, don't let her be topless. Please God, don't let her be topless. And she goes, and by the way, and then she takes her sort of, and there she is in all her... God, it was horrible. And it was, and she's there, and she goes, and you won't be getting any more of this. She says, because you can kiss my... And she does that bit. 
and then waddles off. And I suddenly thought, sexiness has got nothing to do with your size. It's got to do with what's, what's inside. You know, you can be the fattest whale in the country, but you can be beautiful. Unfortunately, Gemma isn't attractive because she's foul-mouthed. She sounds like a five-year-old attempting to speak like a three-year-old. She's got no sense of proprietary whatsoever. And for that reason, she's not sexy. I know big people who have got tons of sex appeal. She thinks because she's fat, she's got sex appeal. No, the reason she can't find anybody is because she's got a foul mouth on her. She's what's commonly known as potty mouth. And that, you know, it's got nothing to do with how fat she is, and God knows she's fat. It's got to do with the fact that there's no, there's no attractiveness inside. And it's such a shame. It's 4.30, it's LBC. News headlines with Rupert Bartia. Thanks, Steve. Anti-capitalist protesters in a North London square have been evicted seven months after the occupation began. Bailiffs, supported by Met Police officers, moved into the occupation form. I wasn't aware that she'd slept with Arge. I didn't know she'd slept with Arge, but presumably, as he told everybody... He tells everybody who he sleeps with. He told everybody he'd slept with Lydia Dim after they'd finished going out. And I couldn't understand why you'd want to go on, on television and tell people things like this. Why would you ever want to... I don't come on in the morning and go, oh, guess who I slept with? You just don't do that. Why would these people, unless they're cheap, trash, tell you stuff like that? I mean, even the Housewives of Orange County don't tell you who they've slept with. Mainly because you can see who they're sleeping with. It's Slade. He seems to wander from woman to woman. But, but that's why Gemma will never be attractive. Because she's sort of taught like that. And, she's, and she swears every... Fit. It was just unattractive. And that's what makes her unattractive. But they're obviously all in Marbella filming this thing. And there's a lot of... Oh, I tell you, Jessica Wright, who's Mark's sister. And we haven't seen his programme yet. I've not seen it. But I'm only assuming by the distinct lack of interest in the papers that nobody else is interested either, because nobody's mentioned it. But um, Jessica Wright, the sister, is going out with that peculiar friend of Joey Essex's, who's the one who looks like he's about five. And it's and, and I looked at him and he goes, he said, will you be my girlfriend? And I'm looking at this bloke and I'm, I'm thinking, I thought you were gay. I had no idea he was interested in women because he's had all his teeth whitened and he just looks a little bit, a little bit camp. And he's sort of, he's, he's got one of these which used to be attractive about ten years ago. You know, the half shave. The half shave. It's a bit of a Greek thing going on, where you don't shave every day and it makes you look butch. Not in his case. And so he asked Jessica Wright, who's desperate to stay in the programme, because she's, she's the oldest one in there next to Chloe Sims. And they must be the next two out, I would think. And, uh, and, and so we'll have, we'll have some more Mark Wright stuff on the free podcast later on. I'm so excited. So excited. But uh, looking at Arge, I mean, it's just horrible. Just horrible. Any man that goes out with somebody and then says, oh, by the way, guess who I've just slept with, is, is low rent. And I'm afraid, poor little Arge. That's why, Arge, your career is, there is no career for you. There's nothing at all. What, what talent do you think you have? What possible, you know, benefit are you to Essex or anywhere else? You're an embarrassment. An embarrassment to yourself your silly little hanger-on girly friends, you know, to all the people you've been out with. You don't do things like that. Your parents teach you anything when you were younger, or were you that dim that you decided you knew best? Not good enough, I'm afraid. Not, not good enough. Uh, Other stories in the papers, we found found another newsagent. Another bent newsagent. This is another story. I'll come round to it a little bit later on. Because it's the, it's the story of a man who's in a syndicate and they always do the same numbers and they buy their ticket and they take it in because they, they think it's, it's worth money. 
And, uh, and the person behind the counter goes, uh, 20 quid. And they go, no, it's giving the ticket back. And the person behind the counter goes, no. Well, I'd have dragged them over the counter, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Because the ticket was worth £79,000. Now, the last time we had this, we had a husband and wife uh, who were running a, a corner shop. And they're now in prison. And the corner shop has closed down because they were bent. Because they went in there and they went, oh, it's worth, worth a tenner. And they gave the bloke a tenner and he went, I don't think so. And he went away and Camelot checked. So Camelot come back to the shop and they go, uh, it's worth 79000 Oh, we have uh, dismissed the person who actually did this, uh, but it was for other things. And, uh, but we actually thought that they, they were right. And, and he also said he, he was very busy. I thought, you're lying through your teeth. You're lying through your teeth. Just as well the police were called in and Camelot, who've suspended this, uh, this corner shop's Camelot machine. Because if you're caught fiddling, and it's quite easy, you go in there. Elderly people, be very careful when you go in to a shop, and maybe you don't know. If you know them, it's fine. If you don't know them, and you hand it over. If the machine rings, it's a winning ticket. And what they are supposed to do, legally, is they're supposed to show you the little slip that the machine prints out, showing you that's worth £10. That's worth ten. That's worth twenty pounds. That's worth fifty. That's worth seventy nine thousand pounds. And that's why that assistant was bent. That's why. And so you must be very careful. Don't just. And also, if you're not happy about something, don't don't take the money that they're offering. Take your ticket back and try somewhere else. Just you know, if you've got any doubt in your mind, because I know a lot of elderly people don't check things. So just make sure you do. The parents held in jail over the arson deaths of six of their children have been refused permission to go to the funeral. They applied the other day. And uh, I think, to be honest with you, and I quite understand what some of the family is saying, innocent till proven otherwise, that's quite right, but there will be a lynch mob out there. The police cannot afford to have, and it would be disrespectful to the deaths of these six children, to have their funeral disrupted by brawling or fighting if the parents turn up. It's as simple as that. I have no... No qualms whatsoever in saying to them, I'm terribly sorry, but it's got nothing to do with you. It's to do with the fact that there are people of limited intelligence out there who might disrupt a funeral for six children who lost their lives needlessly. That's the only reason you're being denied access. OK, if after the end of the trial, you know, whatever the turnout is, then you can go to the graves. Fair enough. But you cannot go to the funeral while people around your area and people from your community are hell bent on killing you. OK? The police don't have enough time to waste on people like you. Innocent till proven otherwise? Absolutely. Danger to the public, danger to the funeral cortege. They're going to be horse-drawn hearses. There's going to be six of them, I think six of them. And, uh, and, and the public shouldn't be allowed to judge these people. This is a funeral for six children. And if people down there don't realise it, then I think people have to be taken into custody. It's as simple as that. So if you, if you take away the annoying influence, which is the couple... You can just have a funeral that will go ahead, and that's how it should be. doesn't matter whether the parents are there. They can be there in spirit or whatever. But when you've got, you know, a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, a ten-year-old and a thirteen-year-old being buried, you don't want any disruption, thank you very much indeed. You don't want anything like that. The police don't want it, the funeral directors don't want it, and the, uh, the remainder of the kids' families don't want it either. But if the parents turned up, there would be trouble. Undoubtedly, there would be those people, as I say, people not quite right in the head, people a little bit simple. They would actually be sort of going out there causing trouble. And at a funeral, as far as I'm concerned, that's a big no-no. Duncan says, if you take the hair away from Gemma from The Only Way's Essex, she looks a little bit like Big Daddy. No, she looks like Enormous Daddy. Enormous Daddy. 
because she is big. We, we, we looked at pictures of her the other day, and far be it for me to say, but even the producer pointed out the cellulite, you know, and the fact that she's got wobbly bottom, and she's got, you know, I mean, every, because I, I don't want people just to think it's me all the time, and thinks, oh, no, you, it's just because you don't like fat birds. No, believe you me, I do. And, uh, but it's just that she's foul. She's got a foul mouth on her, and that's why. Not very nice. Stephen Harlington says, no great British food. Later today, I shall be making steak and kidney pudding. Nice thick suet walls. Ooh, lovely. Uh, James says, how about our version of Riverdance, the hosepipe band ban? That could be quite a good idea. Um, Anna says, squatters have so many rights. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, yes, they might do. They might do. But there's nobody in these tents. All we're doing is clearing empty tents like we did from St Paul's. And I think the, the police and the bailiffs were just as surprised to find nobody in there. There's a few dirty, smelly people who sit in there, but they don't work anyway. So you just you just kick them out and they'll just go and sit down with a river or do something. You see people in, in shop doorways. I drive through London every day. And there's people in shop doorways. They're all there. David says, don't be so ridiculous, Steve. I'm a student at Sussex and I certainly go there to study. Don't be so ridiculous. Of course you don't. You go there to drink and socialise and meet women and, and, and do uh, and stuff, and things like that. That's what students do. They don't study. Don't be so ridiculous, honestly. You're from, we know where you're from. You're from Croydon. Nobody studies. The only thing they study in Croydon is shoplifting. I know. You can get a degree in shoplifting in, uh, in Croydon. Visiting England, says uh, Andy. He says, our kids from the Pool Sea Cadets were in the Queen's Flotilla. But one other thing they do that is great is a marching band. They have to charge now, as there's no more government or navy funding. Tourists love that kind of thing. I think marching band, we don't do it as well as the Americans. The Americans do marching bands so much better than we do, because in all the high schools, throughout the length and breadth of America, it is a privilege to be in the band. People fight to be in the marching band, because for more than 15 years, I compared the New Year's Day parade. So I know more about marching bands than anybody in the history of the English-speaking world. I know that when you join a school, you know, there is something you can do in the band. You can either be a cheerleader if you're a girl, or you can be a, a majorette, or you can play drums, or you can play triangle, or sim- you can play anything. Some of these marching bands we used to get over here, 600 strong, 600 immaculately turned out immaculately turned out. It's something the Americans do very well. Just type on marching bands on YouTube and you see what comes up. And they're brilliant. The intricate designs that they do. I was full of admiration every year. And we did a concert with them. So I would do a concert with some of them on the night before the New Year's Day parade, uh, which used to finish. Well, we used to do that a couple of days before, actually. And then they would have a bit of sightseeing around London. And then they would do the New Year's Day parade. And it was lovely to see them in a concert setting where they could sit down and sort of, as opposed to having to march and do it. And they were brilliant. Brilliant. So that's what I think we should do. Look at some of the uh, the marching bands that you've seen at the Edinburgh Military Tattoo, at, uh, at the Windsor Horse Show. That was lovely. I love that Windsor Horse Show that came up again. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Anything like that we should do. Not a piece of the, um, not a piece of the countryside. I just don't... Ducks on a pond, free to fly away. <laughs> I'm not sure whether or not I'm buying into that idea. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying to sort of think, yeah, that's fine and it's OK, but... I'm, the rest of me is not going there at all, I'm afraid. Uh, other stories of the papers today. Oh, look, Cheryl, I've got a foundation out in Paris with three of her friends. And uh, here it is, creating the Olympic opening ceremony. And they've managed to do it for £14.17 pence in the sun today. So they've actually got a piece of, uh, of dishcloth. And, uh, and they've also got a piece of broccoli as the tree. 
So they've sort of achieved what, what Blue Peter would have achieved, which I like. That makes me smile, things like that. It's not very often you get the papers and something makes you smile. There's a bloke in the paper today. He's going to be very sick. This, this man is going to be arrested very, very quickly. And the reason is he goes into a betting shop in Gloucester and he puts 50 pence on a horse or whatever it is he puts it on and it loses. And the woman behind the counter says, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, um, it's lost. I'm afraid. And he, he would have won £1.20 on a Euro 2012 game. So it was obviously on a bit of football and he lost. What did he do? He leapt over the counter and he punched this woman in the face. He punched her in the face. I tell you, oh, the good news is they have him. He's a local man on suspicion of actual bodily harm. He's pictured in the paper today. He's a man who punches women. Hang him. Hang him. No, no, no two ways about this. What sort of man punches women? What sort of man punch? Paul Gascoigne. Sorry, I nearly forgot. I'm so sorry. I just remembered. But this man is pictured leaning over the counter. Does he not realise that in every betting shop, and it's not much consolation to the poor people who work there, there are, there are CCTV cameras, and the CCTV cameras there are to stop people cheating and hitting people. And here he is hitting this woman. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a 29-year-old man, and he's punching a woman. I tell you, well, I, I don't know what I could say, actually. I don't know what I could say. The opening ceremony, Steve. Should have been literature-themed. Shakespeare, Alice in Wonderland, Agatha Christie, Oliver Twist, James Bond and Harry Potter. Yeah, well, you could have had everything, couldn't you? You could have had James Bond coming in on sort of jet things and Harry Potter, you know, kids flying in on broomsticks. A little bit dangerous, I realise, but they manage it in Hogwarts. And you could have that... They, they could do a game of Quidditch in the middle. You know, they can have rain clouds that rain. Why not Harry Potter? Things that people say, make this country great. Things that have generated hugely. Agatha Christie. You could have sort of a little scene here, a little Miss Marple scene. Alice in Wonderland, lots of characters. Blimey, there's a whole... Good grief. Angels, the costumier, could be busy for weeks on this one. They've got all the costumes. So much better than a few farmyard animals. LBC 97.3 Experience North Indian cuisine with a twist. Mala Restaurant, a unique Indian... With Steve Allen. Good grief. More than 100 police the other day were involved in a 19-hour standoff with a man who was armed with, wait for it, a bottle of Sillet Bang. A bottle of Sillet Bangs. We had 100 police down there. Armed police ringed Richard uh, Jablonski's home after reports he was holding a gun. It was, in fact, a bottle of Sillet Bang. I mean, I suppose the clue is in the word, isn't it? Uh, Incredibly, he was charged with possession of an imitation firearm, but the case collapsed afterwards. He did admit he was holding a bottle of Sillit Bang. It wasn't so stupid, you'd cry, wouldn't you, really? And uh, Henry Hill is dead. Henry Hill's dead. No. Henry Hill is dead. No, it doesn't mean anything to any of you, does it? He was, exactly, he was the man who inspired The Godfather. He was the man, uh, sorry, the, uh, the Goodfellows, the classic uh, movie Goodfellows. He never killed anybody, he said, but he buried a lot of bodies. A bit like sort of an undertaker. He did clean up after the mob. Uh, he was living in hiding, part of a witness protection programme, because uh, he, he was, uh, he'd, he'd grasped up loads of people. He said one or two people are still alive, but uh, most of my contemporaries are dead now. I think he spent years trying to live down what he did, but too late, really. Because you know the house used in The Godfather with the horse's head came up for sale a while ago. But you had to have, I think, £50 million in the bank before they'd even show it to you. 
It looked absolutely wonderful. If you had 50 million in the bank, you'd probably go and buy it just for that, wouldn't you? Just for that. Uh, 84850. Steve says, Dino, I'd pay to have a picture with Mrs. Cole. And if she's wearing chavs. Well, she's certainly wearing chavs. Most of the time she's wearing chavs, I'm afraid. Or that she, at the moment she's pictured in the paper today wearing what looks like. I don't, it's obviously the kind of thing, you know, if you come from Newcastle and you're a bit low rent, you wear because you think it's the kind of thing you wear when you go to Paris. I don't know what on earth she was thinking. She's got no, no coat on or anything else. Just doesn't doesn't quite look right. Poor old Wayne Rooney's hair is dropping out by the second. It now looks even more peculiar than it did before. Looks very, very odd. He appears to have had it dyed. But it looks like it's sprayed on. And he just looks odd. He just looks odd. Uh, Mick and Maraid. This is the Phil Potts. Ordered to stay away from the funeral of the six kids. Not ordered to stay away. They're not being allowed to go anywhere near it. This is on the front of the uh, of the mirror today. And Strictly Come Dancing Couple, Cara Toynton. Little Miss Desperado for publicity, and uh, her 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 boyfriend Artem Chigvintsev. I, th- I don't know what his name is, but Artem have uh, bought a pair of kittens, and this is apparently testing the water for a family. They're not married. They're not doing it. They've just bought a pair of kittens, but of course uh, they're pixie bobcats, so they're massive and charge around the house. Now, they only met in 2010, and you know what Cara Toynton's track record is. Not very good. The bad news is, if he doesn't get any more work after this, he's kicked out. He's Russian. He doesn't have a work permit. Only if there's work here. So he says, if I'm not working, then I have to be back at home in the States. I'd love to move to the UK permanently, but because I have a Russian passport, it's not that easy. So, in other words, you bought cats, and she can't look after them all the time, and you're going to disappear off. Doesn't make sense, does it? Uh, 84850... I was reading a well-known magazine, says Kate in Harrow, and came across this. It was meant to be her big break after Loose Women. So imagine the red faces when only four audience members turned up to be in a make-or-break edition of Colleen Nolan's new show. And one of those four was the writer of the article. Producers were forced to bribe passers-by with Jonathan Ross tickets if they watched Colleen do her interviews. Execs are also interviewing Natalie Cassidy for the same show. So who, I wonder, will be the face of Channel 5's new chat show? Oh, God, I hope it's not Natalie Cassidy. I hope it's not Natalie Cass- But actually, strange you should mention Colleen Nolan. She's just left this morning. Now, has she left this morning? Because, to be honest, she wasn't much cop at doing it. Natalie Cassidy. I mean, I, I don't know why, why Channel 5 are doing a chat show. The last one with Jeff Brazier, who made a complete buffoon of himself, failed miserably. And so he, he was taken off. And then they decided to axe the show completely. Because, you know, you'd be better off putting Bing Tone on. Or maybe a picture of sort of a girl on a blackboard or something like that. And uh, so the idea of a chat show with Colleen Nolan, why do they think that people like Colleen Nolan? They don't. They really don't. She, she doesn't. And also, I hear that um, Jenny Eclair is not part of the new lineup of Loose Women. The others have been given contracts, but apparently she doesn't get on with all of them. I thought she got on with most people. She's got a violent temper. She, got, she kicked a door in at LBC once because the door, the door wouldn't open. She kicked the door in. She's like that. Oh, dear me. Yes, I remember vividly. I came in and the door was off. And I went, who's done that? They went, Jenny Eclair had a tantrum. And you think, God, she's obviously a lot tougher than she looks. But I quite like her on the Loose Women panel. At least she's entertaining. At least she's witty. At least she's funny. You know, Denise Welsh is just a sad old drunk who sits there and isn't, isn't entertaining. I'm looking for somebody who can be a little bit feisty. Somebody who's, who can be funny at the same time. Denise Welsh is neither feisty nor funny. The only thing she, uh, Denise Welsh is funny over is, is when she's fallen over or flashed her knickers or something. And that's the only time. She, apart from that, she's as dull as ditchwater. But as boring as Colleen Nolan. The idea that she's going to be do- auditioning for a chat show. On chat- Why do they think anybody can do a chat show? 
Why do they think? I mean, I, I do remember. I, I, I won't mention it again, but I, I, other people have said to me, "Oh, it's easy to interview somebody," and you go, "Of course it is. Of course it is." That, that's why there are so many of us doing it. You know, there is such an art to doing it. If you can do it, it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. If you can't do it, it's your biggest nightmare. I always say, tell you what, let's try. Let's throw you in a studio with a celebrity who's being, let's so we say, a little bit difficult, who doesn't want to be there, who's not interested, doesn't want to answer your questions, and you see how long you survive. That's the art of interviewing. That's what it is. Colleen Nolan hasn't got the faintest idea. She's working on the fact that she's a fat, overweight mum who used to be in the Nolans 300 years ago when she la-la'd. She never sang lead vocals at all. And, um, and I don't think she even featured on the hits. I'm pretty certain she never featured on the hits. And also, Natalie Cassidy. Natalie Cassidy. She could barely deliver lines in EastEnders. Should have saved that, shouldn't I, really, for the uh, for the free podcast for a little bit later on. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk or 0845 973. There's a picture from the Hippodrome. From the, I'm not in that picture, am I? I'm just checking, actually. That looks remarkably like me on the right-hand side, but it can't be. Good Lord, David. Good Lord, a Hippodrome picture. How lovely. I said I'm in the one in the middle with the leg. Wait a minute, the one in the middle with the leg. Let's have another look at this. <laughs> right. No surprises there, eh? No surprises. Memories like the coolness on my mind. <laughs> uh, the Americans cannot march. Ask any British soldier how to march, then watch an American. Oh, Bob, so wrong. So, 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 so wrong. You go to YouTube, there's a few marching bands on there, and these soldiers do the, um, to the beat of a drum, the rifle thing. I can't remember which one it is. They wipe the socks off our lot. They absolutely do. Oh, my Godfathers. You watch them. You watch them at Arlington Cemetery when they're being drilled. Oh, my goodness me. They, they make us look amateurs. Amateurs, I'm afraid. 84850, uk. Do you use flattery? To, to, to get what you want. A, a lot of people have said to me in the past that flattery does get you everywhere, and it so does. It is so true. You can actually get people to do something they definitely do not want to do by flattery. It's easy. I've, it's always worked for me. Always, always worked for me. Uh, the other day, I was reading an article in the paper, and uh, it, was, it was somebody asking somebody to go to Scotland to give a speech for charity. There were three powerful reasons to decline. I don't like going anywhere that can't be reached by bicycle from North London. I hadn't heard of the charity and barely knew the woman who wrote the message. Yet rather than say no, I found myself saying yes. To understand how this could have happened, I am studying the emails that went to and fro. The first one began, we haven't yet met... But I hope we will. She went on to profess a huge fondness for my columns in the Financial Times and claimed that the Charities Committee would be utterly over the moon if I turned up. As I read her first message, I found myself strangely disabled. It was not long ago I finally learnt how to say no. It turns out to be surprisingly easy. You simply say no. But this time I forgot myself and gave a reason. Scotland was too far away. In a flash... She replied, it wasn't too far away at all. The train journey would be wonderful. Comfy seats, breathtaking views, and nice ladies bringing free biscuits. And so it went on. That's how you flatter somebody. You see, I remember years ago, I had a producer. And his name was Peter O'Connell. And I was doing the Nightline programme. You know, the one that Anthony Davis does now. And the producer, and I've told you this before, the producer had said to me, I think tonight we'll do people with odd-shaped feet. And I went, what? He said, people with odd-shaped uh, odd feet. 
You know, it's, you know, that's, that's how, how, and I said, what, a whole programme? I said, that won't work. He said, I, he said, take my word for it. He said, it will. He said, listen, he said, you'll be brilliant. Well, of course, that's all you need to hear, isn't it? And I go, well, I don't know anything about Audrey. He said, listen, I'll walk you through, I'll walk you through the, uh, the, the programme. I said, really? He said, yeah. And so I said, we won't get any calls. He said, it'll be flooded. I promise you. He said, I'll walk. He said, I'll, I won't leave you for a second. And he sat there and true to his word, he's sitting there with headphones on and he's typing up as he's listening to the way the programme's developed. He's typing up things. Ask about so-and-so, 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 do this. And by the end of the programme, we'd, we'd literally sorted it all out. I knew more about odd-shaped feet and knew more that LBC's audience had odd-shaped feet. So somebody might have a size 11 on the right and a 10 and a half on the left or an eight and a seven, or failing that somebody's got bunions, where do you go to get shoes? We did everything on getting shoes made, how much it costs, you know, all sorts of things. So I became an expert, and, it were, and at the end he said to me, he said, you were brilliant. And of course, that's all you need to hear. Somebody said you've got to say you were brilliant on that. And you think, what's I? And I said, no, I said, you helped me on that. He said, no, no, he said, I, I just sort of gave you some little pointers. And after a while, you start believing it really was you. It was really you that did the whole thing. So that, that's what flattery does. Flattery does, you know, really good things. If I say to Rupert Bartia, you know, the bit, God, you were really good on that. was really good, that. It makes him feel good. It makes him feel good. If, if you say to people, oh, you did really well on that, you know, it's, it's good. People like to be told nice things. You've upset me with your comments about Croydon. You're a very intelligent, open-minded person. You don't know that. You cannot judge me, believe you me. So I'm sure that you don't believe everybody who lives here has a criminal record. I've never said that. When have I ever said that? I've never said anybody who lives in Croydon has a criminal record. We've never committed a crime, so please don't assume because we live in Croydon we're scum. I've never said that. I said Croydon's a dump. I'm not talking about you. I don't know anything about you. And I've never said that people who live in Croydon have criminal records. And if you can find where it says it, I'll give you a million pounds. Never said it at all. Never said it at all. And luckily, I'm always right. As you know, I never make mistakes. I never make mistakes. I am Mary Poppins. I'm practically perfect in every way. Just a spoonful... Sorry, I think we carried away there with the movie. Perhaps we'll go on to The Sound of Music or something else. The eviction's underway to move the Occupy London protesters. I'm not sure whether it is protesters or protester at the moment. We can't quite work out how many people have, uh, have been moved. I know that there's been no arrests so far. That was up until a few minutes ago, so we'll find out in a moment. The clear-out of Finsbury Square has been organised by Islington Council. They went to court... Uh, and uh, they've got successful court action. They've got the eviction notices. And now there's 135 tents and a wooden structure set up uh, on public land on the square. It came in October. It's taken them this long to get the uh, to get the pieces of paper. Metropolitan Police have confirmed they were at the scene. It's being cleaned, though, by a private security company. We'll have more details on that on LBC 97.3 very quickly. And also, what's a first-class service? Steve Allen. Morning, Thursday morning in London town. It's going to be a, well, <laughs> I'm nearly joking, they said it's going to be a nice day for today. I don't want to get that excited about the whole thing, because Rupert sent me the weather earlier on, and I was, sort of, I was glancing through it, you know, thinking to myself, am I going to believe the front page of the Daily Express, which says today, 80 mile an hour storm chaos on the way for today. That's what they've said. It's for today. They said Britain is set to be battered by storms and hurricane force winds from lunchtime today. So I'm quickly checking to see what Rupert is saying. And all he says is sunshine to start, becoming cloudy throughout the morning, rain moving in from the west in the afternoon. The high at the moment is eight degrees. It'll rise to 19. Tonight, rain throughout the evening for most of the night. Some heavy, more showery rain in the morning. Minimum 10 degrees centigrade. So we might be, uh, again having more bad weather. But the hosepipe ban's been lifted for certain areas. 
I said to a friend of mine, the good news is the hosepipe ban's been lifted. And he went, no, not in my area, it's not. I said, well, come round and use my hose. I said, because we, we don't have a hosepipe. You can use my hose. I'll lend you my hose because mine's all right to use. I know, it's been, it's been passed. He said, I don't think it works like that. I said, you're probably right, actually. Probably right. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Andy, I'm sorry. Pool C cadets are nowhere near as good as some of the American marching bands. I don't care. Listen, they could do it stark naked. It wouldn't make the slightest difference. Some of the American marching bands, the professional ones from the academies, are... You know, where they throw the rifles over their head and the person behind catches it. You've seen them at the uh, Edinburgh Military Tattoo, and they're absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I could be in the opening parade of the Olympics as a British icon on my milk float, says Kevin. And uh, I could slip into my bondage trousers, no chance. Spike up my hair, note to self, buy a wig. And I'm a great British punk rocker. Like back in 19... <coughs> well, anyway, a long time ago. He says, morning to all Facebookers, here, Facebookers here and abroad. And, uh, and just uh, an aside... Just an aside, uh, it's Father's Day. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know why we have Father's Day in this country. I don't don't quite understand Father's Day, Mother's Day, Grandmother's Day, Grandfather's Day, Happy Divorce Day. I'm not really interested. But why don't they have a Stepfather Day? Why don't they bring out Stepfather cards? As a stepfather, says Sean, you know, my stepchildren can't send me a card, neither can stepmothers receive cards either. That's when then there's a phenomenal amount of step-parents in this country. So we need... We need step-parent cards. It's happy birthday to my stepdad. Happy birthday to my stepmother. Why not that? I went in to try and buy from Clinton's. Small wonder they're closing so many branches. I said, do you have any bar mitzvah cards? And she looked at me like I was mad. I felt a bit embarrassed I'd even asked. I said, oh, do you not do them? Thinking it's the kind of thing that they would probably do. They seem to do most other things. And she said, no. I said, oh, do you know anybody who does do bar mitzvah cards? No. No, they, they don't know things like that in shops, and it makes me worry. Because I'd be finding out, because it's like, you know, it's kind of like a big thing now, isn't it? Bar mitzvah cards. I went to Martin Spencer, have you got any bar mitzvah cards? No. Will you be getting any in? No. <laughs> you kind of give up, don't you, really? You think, oh, well, there you go. 84850, uk or 08456060973. I think it was very interesting yesterday. We were, we were talking about uh, alternative medicine. And it's amazing how many people had recipes, old, old recipes for not the not the usual conventional stuff, which I thought was was, was very nice indeed. And we all seem to be surviving reasonably well, don't we? Well, I say reasonably well. We're not not the most brilliant at doing things, but we are we are getting there. I'm looking forward, I suppose, secretly to the Olympics. I'm looking forward to seeing just how much of of a mess we will make of it. Uh, I also questioned yesterday there was a young man who was convicted of the killing of uh, Stephen Grisales. Stephen Grisales uh, was out. He was only uh, 21, and uh, he, he was out, and a group of lads started throwing conkers at him, because quite clearly they're a bit stupid. And they were conkers, which they, did, they weren't the conqueror, it was the whole thing, which got the little spikes. And so he then said, you know, stop doing that. And, of course, they, they carried on doing it. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he went over and remonstrated. One of them produced a knife and stabbed him. Okay, he died as a result. That person has now been convicted. The trouble is, now you discover, after this case, that the person who committed the crime at 15, who apparently cannot be named for legal reasons. I'd quite like to know what legal reasons there are that prevent this uh, this young man being named. Because from the age of 12, he's been connected with a gang. 
He has convictions going back, uh, you know, in 2009, community service punishment, convicted of robbery, attempted robbery, battery. A month later, street robbery, youth rehabilitation. Last month, last July, a month before the murder, he was convicted of burglary and given another youth rehabilitation. And he'd removed the tag from his leg as well. And, you've, and you feel like... Th- and, and then they actually said, because he, he, he doesn't understand because he's, he's quite clearly not all there in the upstairs department. He doesn't know. A little bit balmy, as we say around here, that, uh, that he, his actions cause social disgrace. Uh, the family have obviously washed their hands of him, so they, they shove him in a home. He's actually got nothing. Uh, the, his, his, his QC said he isn't wicked. Well, I mean, excuse me, but anybody who sticks a knife in somebody, what do you recall that? But anyway, he's been sentenced to life imprisonment. But you'll be delighted to know, ladies and gentlemen, that life imprisonment means he'll serve a minimum of ten and a half years. He's going to be out when he's 25, up, whooping it up with his friends, whilst the family of Stephen Grisales sit there and grieve over a son who never made it to 22 years old. What a sick country we're in at the moment. What a sick country when you can't even get somebody to celebrate life in prison. Life, as we've always said, ask anybody. Well, I'm assuming life should always mean life. You know, you, you take a life, you pay with your own life, as far as I'm concerned. If it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, I couldn't guess how old they are. Listen, if you're old enough to go out there and carry a knife and you've been doing it since the age of 12, you deserve to be treated like an adult and you deserve to pay the consequences. It's as simple as that. It's just, you know, it's just appalling because families every day go into court. They don't get any satisfaction from the, from, from the judges. They really don't. And yet you go to other countries that seem to be much harder on things like that. You know, cannot be named for legal reasons. I'd want to know somebody's blooming track record. I'd want to know when they come out. I'd want to know if they come out, they're going to live anywhere near us. Because these people don't deserve to live in, in society, I'm afraid. Uh, Moonpig cards, Steve. You can make your own online. So you could do a stepfather card, couldn't you, on Moonpig? Because we're a little bit worried that there aren't any stepfather cards. Clive in Kingston, off to see Liza Minnelli at Hampton Court Palace Music Festival. Let's hope the rain stays off. It doesn't look very likely, I'm afraid. Take an umbrella. Taking a breath. But the setting's lovely at Hampton Court. It really is lovely. And I'm sure Liza Minnelli would be great. I'm sure she'll be really good. If, if, put it this way, don't expect her to be absolutely on top voice. Because the last couple of years she has gone off a little bit. But it's still the setting of Hampton Court. And it's still the fact that it's Liza Minnelli. You know, and her mother was Judy Garland. For this you cannot take anything away from her. And I've never talked to her. I've never talked to her. We must get her in for an in-conversation. She'd be fascinating. Why did you marry David Guest? Were you mad? Uh, Do hair transplants have a warranty, says Mark. And even if they did, would somebody like Rooney bother to claim his money back anyway? It would be uh, commensurate to his breathing over the ball a couple of times. Well, I mean, it's looking really awful, his hair. If you look on the front page of some of the papers this morning, it's, I mean... If that's, that's £30,000 worth of hair transplant, I'd rather stick a dead hamster on my head. I mean, it really looks awful. It's a new quiff, but there's no hair there. You know, it's, it's literally like taking three strands of cotton and sort of trying to tease it and going, oh, by the way, that's hair. He looked better before. He looked better. Be- I'm sure, you know, when, when he's in bed with Colleen, <laughs> you know, and she goes to run, don't touch the hair. Don't touch the hair, right? It costs like 30 grand. I'm going to take a private jet out to see you in Krakow. Yeah, that's OK. 14 grand on that. Obviously more money than sense. But, I mean, if that's 30 grand's worth, it's a pure indication, ladies and gentlemen. Don't bother. Go bald gracefully. Women do not mind bald men. They, I promise you, they really don't. Anybody doesn't. Nobody cares about bald people anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't make the slightest difference. I was always told that bald is much sexier. Much, much sexier. 
I've never read it proven, but I'm assuming that, you know, bald is, is actually quite a nice thing to be. So don't waste your time having hair transplants and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't make any difference. You've seen people who've got fake hair, women and men, and it just looks ridiculous. It doesn't look interesting at all. It doesn't, you know. I work in Clinton, says Kelly, and we do sell stepfather cards and stepmother cards, both for birthdays and Father's Day and Mother's Day. But you don't do bar mitzvah cards, do you? Where's the bar mitzvah cards? You know, for, as far as I'm concerned, there's more more Jews in this country. Oh, they're bringing that back again. What's it What's it called? Something kosher Manchester or born... They're looking at Jewish Manchester. See, it's a follow-up series. They did it They did it last year. And you get to see all the all the Jews of... I think it's Manchester. I'm quite looking forward to it, actually. So I have to get John Warrington to, uh, to record it for me. Steve, they have a Father's Day, so I can take the family out and buy them all a meal. And it's for me. Hmm. Tell my bank manager that. I know. It's like, it's like Mother's Day. What does Mum do? She cooks, she cleans, she washes. And it's supposed to be her day. You're supposed, the kids are supposed to take breakfast in bed, aren't they? On Mother's Day or Easter or Christmas. They never bother. Because you get, oh, don't, 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 don't. You'll spit. Oh, they've dropped it. They've dropped it coming up the stairs. It's awful. Eggy stairs. And of course, the dog and the cat loves it. Uh, Cathy says here, I thought I heard you say your underactive thyroid makes you get very hot. No, my thyroid doesn't work at all. My thyroid has ceased working and it does make you very hot because your thyroid is your thermostat and it controls your body temperature. And so consequently, I have no control over it whatsoever. So on a, on a, on a boiling hot day, I can be freezing cold. And on a, on a, 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 a freezing cold day, I can be, I could, was it that way? I can't remember. Whatever it is, it'll always be the opposite of whatever I'm supposed to be. Everybody else is going, isn't it lovely and cool? And I'm sitting there going, I can't breathe. I can't, it's too hot. It's too awful. So I've got fans everywhere. Fans everywhere. So that's why. Uh, Cathy says, I melt constantly. Well, just go and get them to check your thyroid. It's a simple, simple little blood test. They, they can check your thyroid. And they, they, and they might, if they find it's, it's not working or underworking, put you on levothyroxine, which is about the most popular drug that people see, seem to take. And I take that. But, it, but, but it, I'll tell you what I've discovered makes me sweat an awful lot. White wine. I didn't realise till the other day that white wine, it's probably because of the sugar content, I go through the roof on it. So I've changed to vodka. News headlines with Holly Ford. Bailiffs have dismantled the occupant. Morning. Apparently you get bar mitzvah cards from kosher butchers. I can't go to a kosher butcher and ask for a bar mitzvah card. Do me a favour. Well, it's just ridiculous. I mean, they should sell them in the high street. Shouldn't have to go to specialist places to buy something that's quite commonplace. Grief. I mean, Sheila, honestly. I mean, you must have some spare ones at home. You'd, th- you'd think in the whole of Twickenham, there's enough Jews around there, you'd think somebody would sell bar mitzvah cards. God, blimey. It's ridiculous. Uh, so, enjoying the show as usual, says Sheila. Is it ridiculous that you have to go to some? We don't have a, you know, a kosher butcher or a deli round our way. It's just, you know, pain, it really is. Uh, why do the authorities allow these groups to occupy places like churches? We, the taxpayers, pick up the bill. Well, it's a case if they don't know where they're going. So what they'll do is they will kick them out of Manchester Square uh, or they will kick them out in this particular case of Finsbury Square and they'll move somewhere else. They'll actually go to another another place. And so then we go through the process all over again. And in the meantime, you actually sort of end up costing local councils a small fortune. So far, £20,000 worth of damage, 26000 the council has spent on security, and £12,000 in rent, plus income from the Square's restaurant, which had to close. So they've lost all of that out. As far as I'm concerned, why can you not take the protesters to court? Why are they not suing them? 
Because most of them are very well healed, take my word for it. They're not the working class downtrodden that you think they are. They're very, very middle class, you know. We, we've seen some of them going back to some very expensive houses. We saw that after St Paul's because they're just like jumping on a bandwagon because it's like, OK, yeah, to like go and sit in front of a church like, and, like, you know, complain about, like, the police, you know, because, like, the police are, like, you know, kind of harassing us. And it's like, you know, because my daddy and mummy have got a huge place in Eaton Square, and, and it's just dreadful, you know, and I don't understand why, why, why the cops, because we call them the cops like at school, and, and why, why they're like harassing poor, poor working class people. Because Daddy and I know some working class people because they, they clean the drive and do our windows for us. And that's why we like them and we feel we're supporting them by going to Finsbury Square and to St Paul's Cathedral. And that's how it works. So I don't think all these people... Are, have you seen the sort of the tents they've got? These things cost a fortune! Some of them have got awnings, one of them's got a swimming pool outdoors, and they, they've got picket fencing. Oh, it's all very classy stuff. Don't ever think they are the poor downtrodden of the world, ladies and gentlemen, because they really aren't. Somebody else recommending Clintons for stepfather cards. I think it's like quite funny, actually, stepfather cards and stepmother cards. It's OK, isn't it, really? I think so. Well, I think so. Uh, one here says, uh, I always get up early to hear you. And uh, this is from, from Barry, who says, I'd hate to get on the wrong side of you. Oh, you would. You would hate to get on the wrong side. You wouldn't like the wrong side of me. You wouldn't like me when I'm not nice. You wouldn't like me at all, I promise you. But he obviously likes the programme, so that's OK. We don't mind that. The programme's fine. Just don't push it, all right, pal? Don't push it. Uh, other stories which are in the, uh, the papers today, apart from the, uh, the flattery story, they're now saying, and, and I have two gripes on this one. Firstly, you know when you go to the bank machine... The diddly dip machine, the hole in the wall, and you put your card in, and it says, "Make sure nobody's standing behind you as you tap in your coat." And I try and do it very quickly and try and do it very casually, and then all of a sudden, and I'm there, so I'm holding my wallet. In the other hand, I've got my phone, so I put my phone in my pocket. I'm holding my wallet, and it's a it's a, a billfold wallet. It opens out, so I can put the cards in there. So I put the card in, and it goes beep 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 beep, and the card comes out, and I take the card, and at the moment I take the card the money arrives, and I can't do it all at the same time. I am not fast enough to remove the money and the card. So I'm struggling, thinking somebody could come up behind me, grab my money, run out the door, and because I don't run very fast, I'm never going to catch them. Now they are saying that pedestrian crossings do not allow older people enough time to cross the road. A study has found that those over the age of 65, 76% of men and 85% of women have a walking speed slower than that needed to use a pedestrian crossing. The speed is set at apparently four feet per second. That's an international stat. I had no idea. Four feet a second. And so what they're saying is a lot of elderly people can't... Because if you're a driver, you're sitting there and you go, Come on! Come on! Walk faster! And I hate the people who stand there and you have to literally grind to a halt and turn the engine off before they'll put a foot on the crossing. That I find really... Fr- Come on! I'm sitting... Come on! Push them across the... Cr- I get so angry. So angry. Yes, and there's always somebody... There was a bit the other day they were doing... Oh, I'll tell you what was in it. It was in a film called Genevieve which is about the London to Brighton car race. And at the very end, they actually get, get to them, they, 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 they come to a crossing, and a woman's crossing, and then she drops her bag in the middle, and they're going, come on! They're in a race! They're trying to sort of get over there as, as, as quick as possible. And it was very, in the end, they went, oh, it doesn't matter. But they won, which was good news. So I don't know, if you're one of those people who finds that, you know, the little green man crossing, there's not really enough time 
there's not really enough time to get across. You sort of get there, and some cars actually keep going. They don't bother stopping when you're on the crossing. Whereas, of course, it, what I want to have is I want to have a walking stick. And if anybody crosses in front of me, I'm going to thwack it on the side of the, of the car door. I've decided that is the way forward, because it's the only way to make these people realise. I did it once years ago. I went over... Uh, an orange traffic light, which I was entitled to because I was halfway across. But some tourist grabbed the aerial on the back of my car. It was on a, um, a TR7 that I had at the time, the Triumph. And it snapped the aerial because they're hollow. It was, a tube, it was like a hundred and something pounds. I nearly went back and wrapped it around his neck. But because I'm stuck in traffic, I can't, I can't kind of do anything. I'm a little bit stuck there, I'm afraid. Weather for today, wet later on this afternoon. If you're going to see Liza Minnelli, wet. Wet, 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 wet. So take an umbrella, which is lovely. Totally agree with you, says Paul, about the water cannon. See, that way you don't have to worry about, you know, bringing in heavies to lift people up bodily. And there's always some sort of fat people at the front going and screaming, you know, police brutality and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if you bring in the water cannon, that's great. You just float them out the square. So much simpler. I remember it being used... In Britain, on various occasions, I, uh, to the life of me, I can't remember. I think you might be right. The new series of Dallas has started in the States, and it sounds as if the critics are divided. One of them, in the hugely influential TV guide, saying that Linda Gray looked especially mummified. <laughs> Actually, who else is, who isn't in it? Pammy's not in it, is she? I don't think Pammy is in it at all. And he says, you're quite right regarding the lottery tickets. If you're not happy, even slightly, about the way your ticket sale or payout is handled, Camelot want to hear from you. I managed one of the first shops in the Midlands to get one of the machines, and we were dispatched to all places, Solihull, to be trained up. If you break any of the terms and conditions, of which there are many, you lose the machine. End of. End of. Uh, Jackie and Karen, give us a ring at four. He said they didn't pick up, so all of their Facebook friends listening are now hoping that was because they're already in the check-in. Oh, they will be. They will be. Yes, and I hear about the uh, the takeovers as well. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting patiently, Paul, just to see uh, what else we acquire over the next <laughs> next few few months. 84850, steve at or 08456060973. Especially if you're one of those people for whom the green man on the crossings is is just a bit too quick for you. You can't quite get across there at that speed, can you? So if you're one of those people, do let me know. Do you find motorists, uh, on the whole, quite nice? Do you, do you actually sort of think to yourself, oh, aren't they nice, the, the, these motorists? No, because all the motorists sit there go, come on, walk a bit quicker for good day. Come on! Oh, dear, why they didn't put casters on the bottom of your shoes? I've got no idea. Would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? Uh, the bad news is... That uh, Shane Phelan from Westlife has gone bankrupt. Eighteen million pounds. <coughs> That's a fortune. A fortune. It's very interesting because they're uh, they're 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 talking in the paper about how he lost it and he lost it on all sorts of things. Mainly uh, mainly property ventures. He says, uh, "I'm going to be rebuilding a future for my wife, my three children, and myself." He's released a solo album. Uh, that'll be next year, and he currently has got four major record labels fighting over him. Why? I don't believe he's got four major. I think they've just said that. Pop mogul Louis Walsh, who'll be managing the singer this summer, said he doesn't need to worry. Shane's going to have a massive career after Westlife. Louis Walsh is never right, I'm afraid. He's, every single thing is wrong. Shane will not have a huge career after Westlife. And I'll tell you for why. It's because collectively Westlife made the money. Individually, no chance. It's not work for anybody. Didn't work for Ronan Keating. 
No big, you know, didn't, you know, he had a little bit of a solo career, but certainly not much. And Shane's lovely. I mean, I, I like all of the boys, but I'm thinking, my God, they must have earned some money if he could lose 18 million. 18 million pounds. I mean, had, had he not been, see, I'd have been happy with 18 million. I'd have just gone, I've got 18 million, I'm going to keep it, and that's going to be my money for the future, because I've got a wife, kids, and everything else to look after. And so for him, he's now got to start all over again. And when you've been a pop star, and then it's finished, so they're doing the last tour, and that's why, you see, Louis Walsh has got to say that. He's going to be a big star, because Louis Walsh is managing him. I don't think it'll do it at all. I really don't think, I, I, I really don't think so. He's perfectly pleasant, and he's perfectly lovely, and, but it's, it was Westlife that people liked. There was, there was no individual boy in the group. And uh, to lose 18 million, it makes you wonder how much the others have got. I bet the others are going, how come he's got 18 million? <laughs> you can just see everybody going, I've only got five. <laughs> I like the idea. But uh, we wish him well. But they say here, he had no money when he started off before Westlife and now he'll make it all back when he becomes a massive star. He's not going to be a massive star. I'm ever so sorry, Louis. He's just not. You're so, so wrong on that one. I'll eat the studio if I'm wrong. <laughs> that of times I've said that before. <laughs> eight for eight five zero. Oh, Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, do you think Jenny Eclair is um, the one who doesn't bond with the panel? I would have thought actually, to be honest with you, it was Denise Welsh who's an embarrassment. Janet Street Porter's taken over a little bit, but uh, they say she's leaving after failing to bond with the other panelists. I thought they all liked her. I thought they all liked her. I thought, she, you know, she was, very, she was very interesting. She was able to discuss a wide variety of issues, whereas, unfortunately, Denise Welsh can't discuss anything. She's not intelligent enough. She can discuss the piece she's in and how much she had to drink last night, and that's about the extent of it. And if anybody can tell me why Colleen Nolan has, has bad a uh, sad farewell to this morning, was she dropped? They apparently gave her a bouquet of flowers. Oh, that was nice. By Philip Schofield and a big hug from Holly Willoughby, who told her we're really going to miss you. But I think Holly Willoughby says that to everybody. Really, really going to miss you. Bye. Right, she's gone. And the next one is... That's how it works in the business, isn't it, really? 84850, uk. Love to hear from you uh, this morning. Uh, especially if you're uh, one of those people who is a huge fan of the Olympic torch. I only ask, because every day there's another story about the Olympic torch being carried through another part of the country, and frankly, I'm bored witless with it. I don't care where it goes. Just sort of transfer it to a small pocket lighter, get the other end and just light the flame. Don't waste time with all these silly torches and people carrying them. And they've got Brian Reed was carrying it. Brian Reed is a columnist for the Daily Mirror. And um, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I've got... How do they pick these people? How do they pick... I mean, I think in this building, Royston... Is, is, is dead, but he's doing it up north, I think, somewhere. So he's not doing it around here. And this is the whole building of, of 600 people. I don't know anybody on the news desk who's actually carrying it. Nobody asked me, and I was eminently available to carry a torch round. I have managed to do lighted matches before in the past, so I'm well qualified. I can run up and down in, in, a, in a white, well, maybe not in a white tracksuit, perhaps something a little bit more flattering. Like a tent would be nice, I think. I don't really want to sort of go there. And well done to Gokwan who single-handedly assailed, saved Sainsbury's with his range of clothing because they were all over the place and now Gok's done it, proving yet again that he has got the Midas touch. 5.30. 27 minutes to 6, Thursday morning in London town. I trust you well. Sunny and then wet again. But the good news is, if you're one of those uh, three water companies who've lifted the ban, you can get the... It's hardly worth it, though, is it, really? Let's face it. Hardly worth it, because at the moment we seem to have enough water. I have to ask you this morning about, about faith healing. 
There's a piece in the paper today, uh, in the mirror, by Penman and Summerlad, and they do investigations. And they're doing an investigation outside Bath Abbey. And they say it's mid-morning, and one of Britain's most controversial Christian groups are setting up outside. For a group that has caused a national outcry and stirred some MPs into a frenzy, it's all very subdued. A few followers handing out leaflets by a banner reading, healing, and occasionally a member of the public sits down while a couple of adherents pray alongside. This is healing on the streets. OK. They hand out notices which uh, promote itself with Need Healing, God Can Heal Today, followed by a series of ailments from arthritis to asthma, paralysis and any other sickness. It's a load of old hooey. And what they're trying to prove, Penman and Summerland, Summerlad, is the fact that these people are preying on vulnerable people. And it's very interesting, the Advertising Standards Authority have banned the leaflets because the group can't provide any evidence that they've cured ailments. And, and they say here it could discourage people, particularly the vulnerable, from seeking medical treatment. Gary Streeter is Tory MP of Christians in Parliament. He's demanded that the AS... Demanded, if you please. Demanded, ladies and gentlemen. Demanded that the ASA provides indisputable scientific evidence that faith healing doesn't work. Well, sadly for Mr Streeter, it doesn't work like that. It's up to the group to prove that they have these powers that they claim, which, of course, they don't. So they went to the spokesman, Paul Skelton, to ask what evidence he had of the group's powers, and he said, my job is to pray for people, not x-ray them afterwards. I prayed for a woman moments ago with back pain. She stood up and told me it had gone. That was her experience, and I told her Jesus had taken the pain away. Now, a lot of these people are crooked. They are operating outside of the law. And then, very interesting enough, Mr Skelton said, I'd be interested to know how many complaints have been upheld against other faiths, because what he's trying to prove is it's anti-Christian. And so Penman and Summerlad told him. They said the answer is loads. A shopping channel advert for a Hindu home worship kit for the goddess Lakshmi. The ASA banned it on the grounds that exploited the vulnerable. Another ad in Hindi, this time for Ganesh Pendant, banned after claiming it would give the worshipper perfection in every sphere of life, health, wealth and happiness. You cannot make these claims. This is preying on the vulnerable of the weak. An advert for Islamic Tawaz lockets. This year stated any incurable patient will be restored completely. It's a, it's a pack of lies. You have to be very careful when you're saying things like that. And the ASA have ruled... That's why they are the advertising standard authority that they considered the advert was socially irresponsible. There are loads of people. A group called the Circle of Raphael ran magazine plugs for a talisman of the seven angels that could, according to its claimed Hebrew tradition, bring you good health and financial security. It's a pack of lies. You cannot make these claims. But people go out there and they're very dodgy, but they're preying on the weak and vulnerable. And out in Bath, they'll be out there this morning causing national outcry from a lot of people going, I don't believe a word you're saying. You have no evidence whatsoever. No evidence. They're almost like sort of market traders. You know, one of them here, Miracle Olive Oil Soap a healing evangelist who got taken to court because he was making claims saying, I can cure blindness, deafness, cancer, AIDS, diabetes, asthma. Lies, blatant lies. That's all it is. There's no conspiracy against Christianity. It's just people telling the truth. And if you tell lies, you get into big trouble. And you look at some of these people and they look slightly dodgy. So you have to be very careful. But if you're at a low ebb, I can understand why people would be clutching at straws. Because you're going to be thinking, oh, but somebody might be right. But these people are preying on your weakness. And that's, and that's why it's so sad. And that's why the Advertising Standard Authority are there to try and weed it out and to make sure that it's, it's all fine. 
Uh, not bad, says Albert, for a group who only sang covers. Guess you don't need to write the songs to rake in the cash. Yes, actually, when you think about it, they never had an original song in their life, Westlife, did they? Oh, did they had one album? I love them, though. I, th- I thought that the choice of songs was great. I mean, I, I bought a few Westlife albums. I hold my hands up. I was that person. I bought them because I thought they sounded quite nicely studio-produced. But you're not bad if he's made 18 million. But isn't that roughly what the Spice Girls made? I think that when the Spice Girls split up, I think it was down to the fact that they all had made around 18 million pounds. That's why they don't need to work. They don't need to work. The only person who has increased their fortune by a considerable amount, I think, would be Vic Beckham. I don't think any of the others have, have done as well as, as she has. She has done very, very well. Uh, Sarah says, I struggled to get over crossing after the last car has passed, so the green man disappears. Goodness knows how the elderly or the infirm get over. And on that note, very few crossings have an audible signal. So how does somebody who is blind or partially sighted know it's safe to cross? Well, they don't. They don't, that's the trouble. You have to rely on the fact... I mean, if somebody is blind or partially sighted, I'm delighted to tell you that every time I've seen somebody like that with a stick going up to a crossing, somebody is always there like that to help them across. Do you need to cross the road? I'll, I'll go with you. You know, people, people, people do that. that. That makes me feel quite good. I still, I still get a little, a little smile that plays on my lips every time I see an ambulance coming up behind a car, put its siren on, and cars will practically throw themselves into the pavement to get out of the way because you always think to yourself, that could be a relative of mine in that ambulance and it could be a life and death situation. It could be a case of you move your car out the way as fast as possible. The only thing you can't do is go over red traffic lights. If you ever go, go over red traffic lights and you're photographed by a camera, they will send you a ticket. You're supposed to sit there. I know most of us go, oh, I've got to, It's an ambulance. I've got to let it through. But in theory, you're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to let them through at all, I'm afraid. They have to sit there and wait for the rest of us, which is not so good. But we do move. We do move. An ambulance comes up behind you. And it's, and it's great. Toby says, British traffic regulations need much improvement for the point of view of all pedestrians. My view is the pedestrians must have the right of way over motorists. They have on the crossing. But on the other hand, you know those zigzag lines that come out from the pedestrian crossing? You cannot... St- if a car has actually gone past those zigzag lines, you cannot step onto the crossing and expect it to stop because it doesn't have to. It's only if it's outside of those zigzag lines that you can legally step onto the crossing and the car legally has to stop. Apart from that, it, uh, it doesn't work. But in, in London, people, are, the, the traffic moves so slowly, it makes no difference. You don't need to worry about having a pedestrian crossing. I mean, really, it is, uh, the average speed in London must be, I don't know, eight miles an hour, ten. You never see anybody. I mean, I've never managed to get into double figures going up and down here. So to, so to stop at a, at a, at a you know, pedestrian crossing doesn't, doesn't make the slightest difference as far as I'm concerned. It really doesn't. 84850, uh Lynn says, crossing the one-way system to get to the local shopping centre is a nightmare. I'm convinced the little green man hates me and gives me less time to cross. I don't quite know how it works, but whatever it is, it's very annoying, isn't it? Uh, 84850, uk. Martin says, why does John do all your recording? Because I have that power over people. I have that power to say to somebody, do my recordings and they make my recordings. It's it's great. I mean, I I get everything. Can you clean my car? Clean my car. He makes all my recordings. Uh, Another one here. Four feet a second, luxury. More like four millimetres a second on a crossing outside any senior school or college, as I've yet to find a teenager that moves faster than a pensioner. 
Uh, Steve, you mentioned traffic lights, says Paul. I can't resist pushing the button on the lights as I walk past and don't cross the road. Does it always work like that, does it? Always write your name and address in the space on the back of your lotto ticket. Presents crooks cashing in big winning wins. Yes, I agree with you totally. Always do that. Um, Steve, don't hit the side of the car. Hit the front of the car. That will activate the driver's airbag. Now, that's just cruel. Water cannon never been used in the UK mainland, only in Northern Ireland. Are you sure? I seem to remember, back in my, in my memory, and I'm very rarely wrong... I seem to remember some student demonstrations and they brought out water cannon. I'm pretty certain. I might be wrong. It'll be the first time in 40 years that I have been. But I'm pretty certain that they've used water cannon here. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty certain. I've got an image in my mind of a picture. I can see a picture of water cannon. And, uh, and th- I'm, I'm pretty certain. Oh dear, I'm <laughs> liable to eat humble pie on this one, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Steve, are you sure you've got a wallet and not an accordion? Thank you. Michelle in Finchley says we've got uh, plenty of shops around here send- selling bar mitzvah cards. Would you like me to buy one and send it to you? Yes, please, Michelle. It's, it's, it's for a, a nice young man, so we don't want anything too fancy. Just a nice bar mitzvah card, please. There you go. You watch now, I'm going to be inundated with bar mitzvah cards from people. But I can't find them. Even Catherine says, Steve, perhaps one of your Jewish listeners can get you a card. Or maybe the lady online whose cards you recommend could help. Yes, I don't... Th- well, that's a point, actually. That's a point. Does Jackie Lawson do bar mitzvah cards? I'm not sure if she does. I'll have to check later. Isn't it funny? That's the only place I've never looked. But uh, thank you. Or I'm, I'm relying very much on all my Jewish listeners. In between a good gossip, the girls will be going, let's send him a card. You watch, I'm going to end up with so many cards by this time. Like, it's, not till a bar, it's not for a bar mitzvah till the end of this month, which would be quite nice. And, it, and it's, it's supposed to be a nice surprise for somebody. I like, we, we like a surprise, don't we? We like a surprise. So we're talking about the, uh, the protesters in Finsbury. Have you, have you lost patience now? Have you lost interest in the fact that there's the Occupy London group here. They, they were for a brief while in Leicester Square, but they cleared them out very quickly. And, uh, and I want, I mean, to be honest with you, I'd actually forgotten that they were there. Now we'd cleared them from St Paul's. I'm sorry but to, to, the, to the people of Finsbury, whose square it is that they've occupied. But I had no idea they were still around. I thought they'd got all, all gone back to Mummy and Daddy and Mater and Peter's places and were possibly away in France for the summer holes because it is summer holes time, and then we come back and then we maybe do a bit of protesting, and uh, then maybe, maybe Daddy will employ some unemployed people, because we like having them in the house, and it's all really super, you know, and it's lovely. Because it's a very middle-class thing to do. The working class haven't got the time to do that. They're too busy filling in forms to get the benefits. 84850, Uh We'll take a short break, so we want to hear from you on that, whether or not you've lost interest in people who protest about things, or whether or not you'd, you'd forgotten they were even around, uh, whether or not you've got problems crossing the street in London, whether or not when you get to that little thing and you push the thing, it goes beep, 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 and then it stops, and you're halfway across. You must think, oh, my God. Because sometimes cars do, do move. I mean, what, what you should really do is just drop a load of pennies in the middle of the zebra crossing and start saying, oh, I'm so sorry, it's all I've got in the world, and just make the cars wait. I've done that before now. It's a bit naughty, isn't it, really? Mind you, we all do it occasionally. Come on, quarter to six. News headlines with Holly Ford. Bailiffs have dismantled the occupied... ...aware of, like the way she always leaves the last bit of tea, or how she checks the car doors after she's locked them, or how she tucks her hair behind her ear, even though it's already behind her ear. Or that cough she's had. A cough that's gone on for three weeks or more could be a sign of lung cancer. Chances are it's nothing serious, but finding it early makes it more treatable, so don't ignore it. 
Get her to tell her doctor. Be clear on cancer. Imagine you're an archer in the London 2012 Olympic Games. Steve Ryder, sports presenter. As you take aim, the crowd goes silent. They're wondering how you're going to manage without your bow, as it never arrived. This is how. You throw your arrow as hard as you can, it lands well short of the target. Fortunately, this nightmare is not going to happen. Everything will be in its place because UPS is handling the logistics. UPS, official logistics supporter of the London 2012 Olympic and Paralympic Games. Visit ups.com slash London 2012. Vitabiotics believe your joints deserve the best care possible. After all, your body has over 140 joints, working hard to keep you moving and flexible. That's why Joint Ace Capsules with Omega-3 and a comprehensive range of nutrients ensures you receive exceptional joint support. Joint Ace from Vitabiotics, premium support for joints. I'm Jane Jordan, a qualified dental practitioner. Six years ago, I moved from a top 10 accountancy firm to Barnes Rove Chartered Accountants, and it was one of the best business decisions I've made. They helped me restructure my business, and I was one of the first dentists to practice as a limited company. This helped minimize my tax bills and protect my assets. If you want some innovative advice, you should talk to Barnes Rove. Clever accountants for business. Visit barnesrofe.com slash radio. What sets Peterman's apart from other letting agents? For 50 years, it's been the way we keep our landlords happy. The comprehensive service provided by our experienced management team. The careful tenant referencing. The way we care for your property as if it were our own. Letting agents are not all the same. Try the one that's set apart from the rest. Peterman's Estate Agents in Hernhill and Edgware. Visit petermans.co.uk. Our performance, your peace of mind. This year, Armed Forces Day is Saturday the 30th of June. Take part and show your support for our armed forces past and present. Visit armedforcesday.org.uk. LBC 97.3. Call 0845 6060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, you must give way to an emergency. Yeah, I didn't say you couldn't. I couldn't. What I said was you cannot cross red traffic lights. It is illegal to go over red traffic lights if you've got an emergency vehicle behind you. You can, you can appeal against it, yes. And people have tried and they've lost. Because you've, you've effectively entered a yellow box. So if you move over. So, you know, if, if you're driving normally along the side of the road and there's an ambulance or a police car behind you or something like that, you move over. If it's traffic lights, you've got to sit there and wait. And the police know that. And sometimes they push you to go over so they can get a conviction. <laughs> it's a bit naughty, isn't it, really? But they do that. But you're not supposed to go over red traffic lights. It's illegal to do that. Oh, to the side of the road, yes. You can pull into the side, but not go over red, red traffic lights. Simple as that. Uh, Zabby says, there are lots of things in life that can't be explained. There are lots of charlatans, but there are people with healing powers and psychic ability. No, there's not. OK, simple as that. I've just dispensed with it completely. I mean, I tell you what, and it's highlighted for me, and the only reason it's highlighted, I'll see if there's one in here today, because I always read the Metro every day, like everybody, because you sit on the train and it's the only free, free newspaper, and, and it's covering all the stuff that everybody else is. So I always look at the back, and there are... Um, Wait a minute, there are adverts. And it's the same adverts that appear all the time, because they're obviously chocolate... Here we are, here, here is one here. This is a person. I, I, I won't mention their names because there's uh, one, two, three, uh, four. There's five of them. 
advertising today. No matter how difficult your problem is, there is a, is a solution. I can help advise you in person if a loved one has walked out of your life, if you're struggling in a relationship with court cases or in a business stroke work project and want successful progression. Call in confidence. And this is the number. Uh, then they've got another one here. I can advise you on all your problems, including relationships, love and marriage, business, career, domestic issues and gambling. And, and all it is people just taking money off you. People, people want to believe in it. There's one here. A spiritual healer, specialist in love, relationships, domestic and family problems, bad luck, business, exams, immigration and many more. The clue is in immigration, I think, in that one. The clue is, I can advise you on love, love, immigration. That'll be the one, wouldn't it? And it's probably a business, I should imagine. Another one here. I can, look, I, uh, a medium and spiritual healer. Advertising it. This is a, an advert running today in the paper. It says, love, marriage, unsuccessful business, court cases, general readings for all your worries, call. And they've all got two numbers. So just be careful. They're asking for money, OK? Charlatans, ladies and gentlemen. Charlatans. No such thing as people healing like that. Really isn't. Really isn't. Scott. Morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing today? Uh, what day is it? Uh, Tuesday. Uh, no. Blimey, uh, I woke up. Uh, Thursday. Thursday. Wait a minute. Let me just have a check and see how much I've got in my bank account. It's just... <laughs> yep, still over seven million, so we're still okay. Yep. Still all right you today. You said about partially sighted people or blind people crossing the road. Yes. Uh, I'm severely partially sighted. Now, what, what it... explain to me severely part. Is, is that nearly blind? Nearly blind, yes. Right, okay. I'm blind in one eye and, like, I'm sort of got about 20% in my left eye now. Right, so, so you see you see limited? Yes. OK. Can you see clearly limited, or are you blurred limited? Blurred limited. Right, OK. So you can make out shapes? Uh, if it's a young lady walking down the road, I can see that OK for some reason. Don't know why. How, how strange. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why that is. No, but <laughs> You've just bought well, yourself a dog, haven't you? I know. <laughs> no, I'm getting a, a guide dog about six to eight months' time. Oh, right, it's being trained. Well, I'm waiting for to be trained up. I've been yeah. done me training everything, so I've passed it, so just got to wait now for a dog that to suit me. I still love the story of the fella at home, and he's with his wife, and she says, listen, will you take the blasted dog out? And so he says, oh, I don't want it. He said, it's a poodle, I look stupid. She said, take the dog out. So he's walking down the road, and he sees his mate, and he says, I tell you, do you want a, you want a drink? Let's go and go in the pub. And the bloke goes, you can't go in there. It's a new landlord. He said, he's banned dogs. He said, don't worry. He walks in there, and he's, he's got the poodle. And the landlord goes, excuse me, mate, no dogs. And the bloke goes, it's a guide dog. And the landlord goes, listen, guide dogs are Alsatians, Labradors. And the bloke goes, what are they giving me, then? I can wait. I can wait. I've got till 6.30. <laughs> so I hope, I hope you get a Labrador. <laughs> I'm getting a Labrador Retriever. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's nice. Oh, long hair. Yeah. Oh, nice. Lovely. But uh, I know you're saying, because I take my mum's dog out for a walk around the block every now and then. Yeah. And that's, your, and that's your Yorkshire Terrier. Oh, oh God. <laughs> so people look at me, I've got a white cane in one end and a Yorkshire Terrier. <laughs> so, I saw a woman the other day, she was walking up to Twickenham Station, and both me and my friend Graham looked at it, and she had what looked like a guinea pig on legs walking along. It was oh, the God. smallest dog, I've, and I thought, it, why do these people buy these little tiny things? Good almighty. I mean, a Yorkshire but, Terrier is small enough, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but across the road, yes. what it is, when you press the button t to wait, mm. there's a little plug that sticks out underneath, like a raw plug. Oh, right. So I hold on to that, and it starts turning when it's safe for me to cross. No. Yeah. I've never known. This is underneath the little button where you now. push. 
that's a trade secret now, so I've got to shoot you now, because I told you. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people do still stop when I'm half three quarters of the way, and it starts bleeping. Yeah. Except cyclists. They don't stop full No, stop. cyclists don't. I know, I nearly got killed by one the other day. So have I. I'm dying, I'm waiting to one to cross so I can stick my cane in its spoke. Yes, so yes. it goes flying. I did that once, and, and somebody wrote in and said, you're advocating violence against cyclists. I said, no, what I'm, advo- what, what, what I'm advocating is that cyclists adhere to the same road manners that everybody else has to adhere yeah. to. No, that could be, no, I, I can do that and can knock and fly. And I yeah. can turn around and say well, to... Well, for your case, it's bloody dangerous. That could be, that could dangerous. be an old lady. Yes. That could be a mother with a baby. You would have killed them. No. Oh, I, I know exactly what you mean because I mean literally the other morning I went to go and get a cup of coffee and I crossed the road and this cyclist is coming down. He looked like um, Dan Dare, you know, sort of spaceman from the future kind of thing with his go faster helmet and all the rest of it. And there was no way he was stopping, mind you. I've seen three people recently, two in Twickenham, parents with kids on the little seats on the back, jumping red lights. I wound down the window the other day and I did shout an obscenity at somebody. I went, "You're a silly person, aren't you?" You know, in my best Anglo-Saxon English. Because I couldn't believe somebody would jeopardise the life of a child on the back of, of a bicycle. But cyclists are the bane of everybody's life. They really are. They, they, they've got no insurance. They couldn't care less about anybody. They're like, because we're cyclists, you know. OK, you are. We're cyclists, you know, because we're healthy. And we've got caftans and we wear sandals and we, like, you know, we do barbecues and everything else like that. And cars smell. Poo, 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 poo. That's what they're like, aren't they? Cyclists. Mad as brooms, I'm afraid, most of them. 84850, uk. Thank you very much indeed for, uh, for that. Steve, you've just said you've never been wrong in 40 years. I'm sure you meant to say 37. I, I, did, I did mean 37. I'm so sorry, actually, because I've not been, not been around that long. Otherwise, I'd have started here at four years old as I'm coming up to my 44th birthday. Uh, could your vague recollections of a water cannon, says Edward in Mitcham, be actually the use of the green goddesses? No, I, I, I did think green goddesses, strangely, at the same time, which were brought out when we had the fire and going on strike, so they brought out the army's green goddesses. Uh, no, I wasn't. I've, just, I've, I've seen, in the back of my mind, I can see water cannon, and I can see students being bowled over by it. Um, I can see the picture. It's in black and white, so it must be in the 60s. It must be 50... No, it must be 60s. I've just got this feeling. Where it was, I've got no idea. Would it be a ban the bomb demo? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Neil says, uh, Lorraine and I visited Dublin and couldn't believe the audible road crossings. Talk about make you panic. It's a noise that speeds up when you're allowed to cross. We found ourselves running across with a nervous laugh. Yes, actually, to be honest with you, I've seen those where the it, it's got the seconds that count down. It's got the set that go ten, nine. You go, which way? Which way? Which way? And you have to run across. Although Oxford Circus, have you tried to cross there recently? Huh. Do you know, honestly, it, you need a city and guilds in crossing the road. Because to be honest with you, I don't know where there's traffic coming from all over the place. And you're marooned in the middle. It's terrible. Hello to little Julie, Noreen, Mike, Kevin, the punk rocker, Miss Diane and Barbara. There we go. We went to Ashford Outlet Centre yesterday, says Philip. A lovely day. I was tempted to get the Eurostar to Paris, but I didn't have a passport. You should. You should take the Eurostar to Paris. That's not Paris. That's a nice day out. You know, and you can get some good deals on Eurostar. And it's fab. You get out the other end, everybody speaks French. You start this end with people speaking every language but English. And you get out the other end, it's all French. It's lovely. You can go for a walk along the Champs-Élysées and you go see La Tour de Feu and you can have a look at some nice houses at Montmartre and places like that. It's lovely. We did all the sites in one day. We did everything. We went over there in the morning, three of us, and um, 
We did everything. We didn't go up the Eiffel Tower. We took pictures of the Eiffel Tower. We went to Montmartre. We went to um, we went to all the all the big cathedrals. We did everything. It was it was utterly fantastic. But Paris is so expensive. Don't go there unless you've taken out a second mortgage, because I promise you it'll it'll just bankrupt you. Ridiculous. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk because it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's nice to be company. I trust you are well. Looking good. Look in the mirror this morning. You're getting ready. I know, it's horrible, isn't it, really? Somewhere between going to bed and waking up, you kind of died. You can't remember which particular time of your life it was that you died, but you look in the mirror and think, I've looked better, you know. I've looked a lot better. So, more of your texts and emails and phone calls after the news. You find it difficult to get across the crossing? Is there enough time to get over there? Four feet a second, you're supposed to do. Can't be good news for elderly people. News is next with Holly. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Good news is, Rafael Nadal has got his watch back. He was staying in a hotel and uh, they came back to the hotel room to discover his watch had gone missing. But of course, I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute what sort of watch it was, because I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really care about it. But he had it on his side table. Most people put their watches on the side table and obviously decided not to wear it. But they discovered the person who'd taken it because each hotel room now, I don't know whether you've stayed in a hotel recently, they've, 99% of them have electronic room keys. So even if you walk off with it, they can just reprogram another one for another thing. So you can't go back to the hotel and use the same key. We have it when we go to the, uh, the Shaw Theatre, when we do the show there at Christmas. And they, they, they give us uh, a plastic key, which can get you into, uh, into your dressing room. And so he had the same here. But, of course, what, what the people don't realise is that you can check and see who's actually opened the, the, the room. And it was opened with a pass key by somebody who worked in the hotel. They'd gone in there and they'd stolen his watch. How much was the watch worth? £250,000. I mean, you cannot believe the stupidity of some people. You know, tennis champion or no tennis champion, wearing something worth a quarter of a million pounds on your wrist is nothing short of balmy bonkers, I'm afraid. It's just a watch. It tells the time. I mean, you're kind of asking for trouble, aren't you? I'm wearing a watch that's worth a quarter of a million pounds. How dumb do you have to be? He's Spanish. Perhaps you could give the money to the government. Could solve their problems. But they caught the uh, the waiter, the barman, who actually pinched it. So uh, so that's good news. The other thing was, and it's only because I heard Duncan Bartz talking about it overnight, was that they've... I mean, you know, if you need stupidity, just watch The Only Way is Essex. There you will find some of the dumbest people on the entire planet. Uh, if you are 16 to 23-year-olds, where butter comes from, many of them do not have a clue. They have no... They think it's aisle 20. They wouldn't know where it actually comes from. When it comes to the humble bacon sandwich, a third are unaware of its meaty filling coming from a pig. 3% believe cows produce bacon. I mean, you... I mean... Are we in this country? Yes, we're in this country. A third are ignorant of where we get milk and didn't know that eggs came from chickens. 15% think they came from a crop. A crop. A crop of eggs. I mean... (laughs) Caroline Drummond said, we sometimes hear that our food knowledge may be declining, but this research shows how bad. Three in ten adults born in the 90s haven't visited a farm. Well, I mean, I can understand that. But you do watch them, don't you? And it's generally the Jeremy Kyle show which brings out the thick, the ignorant and the stupid. And there they all are. I mean, they have no idea how they even got pregnant, some of these people. So what hope of actually saying to them, do you know where butter comes from? What? Where does butter come from? Eh? 
Butter. Where does it come? I don't know. Supermarket. And it's spa. They have no idea. They are, they are so unbelievably stupid. And then, of course, you watch them on The Only Way's Essex and it reinforces it. And we laughed at Jade Goody. We should spare a thought for these people. They're quite clearly far too stupid for their own good. My thanks to uh, Dennis from Rygate, who sent me in uh, some photos of Carter's Steam Fair, one of my favourite steam fairs. Thank you very much indeed for that. And to my friend Paula, who, remember, used to work down in Dickens and Jones in Richmond on the Shiseido counter. She now makes soap. But she needs a website. She hasn't got... She makes handmade soap. And uh, a lot of listeners will remember Paula because she turned up to the uh, turning on of the Christmas lights in Twickenham a couple of years ago. She loves the 50s. She loves... She dresses in 50s gear all the time. She's super. And uh, she's now making soap, which is absolutely wonderful. She says you're like the father of LBC 97.3. So happy Father's Day for Sunday. She's so rude. So rude. But you need a website. You've definitely got to get a website. Um, another one here, which came... Oh, I had to do... Um, I was going to do... Um, I think it was a birthday. Was it a birthday I was doing? It was a birthday. Something like that. I remember uh, sort of putting something to one side. Lots of people wishing everybody fantastic holiday. Are the kids on holiday at the moment? Or... A- Kids not on. Oh, that was last week, was it? Are there any schools still on holiday? Maybe some still on holiday. Uh, this is one which went to my namesake in Manchester. Manchester Commercial, Steve Allen, gets loads of my emails. And the poor man has to send them down to me. And he sent me one here. And, uh, and this is from Mary. Uh, Mary says, uh, if you receive this, can you pass this on to help me, as it would make my parents' day if they were mentioned. My parents are avid listeners of your early morning programmes. They have trouble sleeping at night, and they always leave their radio on all night to listen to LBC Radio, especially Steve Allen show. They're celebrating their 60th Diamond Wedding Anniversary on Thursday, the 14th of June. Would it be possible to give them a mention, as I know it would make their day? And this is Peter and Vera Reeves, who come from Epping in Essex. So they are celebrated. They've now, of course, had a heart attack and collapsed over the breakfast table. I could just tell. I could just tell. So Peter and Vera Reeves are celebrating their 60th Diamond Wedding Anniversary and uh, we wish you a very, very happy day. I hope the family are treating you well. 60 years. Good Lord. How do people manage it? But I'm glad that you do have trouble sleeping. Well, actually, I'm not glad you have trouble sleeping, but I'm glad you're listening to LBC 97.3. Because it kind of makes a difference, doesn't it? Where would we be without loyalty, ladies and gentlemen? So Peter and Vera Reeves are celebrating. I wouldn't mention their surname normally, but I hope all their family and friends will say, just in case they decided to have a bit of a lie-in today, you know what I'm saying? A bit of a lie-in, you know, as you're celebrating an anniversary. I hope uh, that uh, the message gets through to them and they, <laughs> and, they, and they have a lovely day. Vicky says you can get bar mitzvah cards at John Lewis. Not too far from Oxford. I haven't got the strength to walk to John Lewis. Listen, I mean, I've got so many nice Jewish listeners who will send me a bar mitzvah card. They can't be that expensive, can they? Uh, Noreen says, Anthony Davis spoke of school dinners on Tuesday. Is he doing school, what, old school dinners or the new school dinner place which has opened up where people dress up as school children? Is he talking about... Oh, he's not talking about that one. OK. So, and on the subject of school dinners and table monitors, do you remember when you were table monitor? I certainly do. She said we were all bossy and wouldn't give seconds to people we didn't like. I didn't give firsts to people I didn't like. I was very funny over school. I loved being a table monitor. OK, can you just go and get the food? Thank you. Sit there dishing it out. Oh, I used to love it. Loved it. it was the jugs of water that looks like this suspect, I'm afraid. Uh, I've been listening for years, says Jason, and I love you. Yeah, OK, that's not like a big deal about it, all right? You know, I'm not going to pick out curtains or nothing. He said you must watch Secret Eaters on Channel 4. There is just so much material there for you. 
I don't know. I get recommended programmes. People say, oh, you must watch this one. There's so, m- so much Steve you can get your teeth into. I was standing getting a cup of coffee from Sven the other day, and a lady said to me, oh, Steve, she said, oh, you, you don't know me. She works in our sales team upstairs. And, uh, and she said, um, me and my partner listen to you every morning. She'd be like, listening to you every... Actually, it might not be her partner. So I got the distinct feeling maybe it wasn't. And, uh, and she said, we think it's hilarious. I said, well, that's good news. She said, I've ne- she said, people always say to me, do you see Steve Allen in the building? And so she says, I do, so I've never said anything to him. I said, well, now you've spoken to me, so there you go. So now I can't have coffee at Sven's anyway. I can now get picked on by people down there, which is good. Uh, Paris riots, 1968, says Kevin the punk rocker. Nice change from Kevin the milkman. And they weren't licensed. Uh, the race riots in the early 60s in America. Lynn says, I too remember seeing water cannon, but I think it was students and it was an anti-Vietnam protest. Uh, Steve, most of the protesters are now camped in Shoreditch Park, which is ten minutes from Moorgate. Finsbury Square, the campsite is gone. 5.35. So that's been... uh, They've pitched up at Shoreditch. Somebody said here at the top, they've pitched up at Shoreditch. So they've moved... They've just moved up the... Which is what we said before, isn't it? We said if they're going to move out of one area, then they'll they'll move into... uh, into something else. Unless you know differently. If you know where they've moved to, do, do let me know. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or 0845 6060 973. LBC 97. Morning. Can't see the clock, actually. 17 minutes past six. Who cares? It's Thursday morning and the sun's out. Blimey, as far as I'm concerned, this, this is a bonus day. You know, any, any day where the sun comes out shining, you think to yourself, this is a day for getting out of bed. This is a day for getting out of bed. This is a day for getting out there and doing something exciting. You know, lining your drawers with brown paper, doing doing anything. You know, rushing down the road and sort of, you know, posting a letter. Do something. Get up and go outside. Because this afternoon, the heavens are going to open again and we're back where we started with more rain. And if you're going to Hampton Court tonight, you're going to see Liza Minnelli. Is that Lisa with an S or Lisa with a Z or whatever it is? Uh, She will be down there. It'll be lovely. They have a big... You know, load of seating all set up. Fab. It re- it's absolutely wonderful. Nick Ferrari is pretty fab, and he's after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Lord Ian Blair, former Metropolitan Police Commissioner, will be live in the studio looking through the papers. We'll run through the, uh, the front pages in a moment. Uh, also, we'll be covering uh, David Cameron's arrival at the Leveson Inquiry, looking at the fact that uh, the Met Police are rated bottom for dealing with victims of crime. We'll have a Thames Water Sewage update and, uh, and the Home Office publishing the controversial internet monitoring bill. All of that, and uh, Richard Hoskins, the author of The Boy in the River, will be talking about The Boy in the River, plus Boris Johnson on 100 Days of Peace. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari and the team after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Mike in Epsom sent me very kindly a picture of a, of a Bentley that's come up for sale ghastly colouring, and it's been designed to look like a station wagon. He said, I can't wait to hear what you think of that. It's unrepeatable, I'm afraid. I looked at the pictures this morning and felt physically ill, I'm afraid. David and Vid, from Tynice, have reminded me that Dallas has returned to the American screens last night. Channel 5 have secured the rights, but won't be screening it till later in the year. Diana has appointed me as a Dallas correspondent. So I hope to better review the two-hour series opener as soon as possible. I can't wait to see how Sue Ellen has been doing, plus Lucy, Cliff and Ray. I just wish Pammy was back. Well, I fear not. I fear not. But we, we, we don't hear great things about Sue Ellen, 
poor soul. Doesn't doesn't look as good maybe as she did. But there again, we all have very short memories. After a while, you'd be sure you just wouldn't worry about it. Uh, Dom says if we're recommending programmes, Dickinson's Real Deal, the guy with the rings, the heavy tab, and the Oso Camp style, we love him. We think he's the best thing on television. You know why? Because he's the most honest, Dom. Out of all the people on there, he's the only one that I trust. I'm sure the others are very trustworthy, but he's the one who comes across as being somebody who's genuinely interested in things. But you're right, I've never seen anything... He has a shop in London. Somebody told us a few weeks ago where where it was. And uh, you you feel like going down there and having a look. Uh, Dominic's an ex-soldier, now emergency services means he could be a plumber. He says, you're wrong. <laughs> I think not. Water cannon's never been used in the UK, only in Northern Ireland. I might have used it myself in the bathroom, actually. Uh, Stephen Harlington says, I have tried lining my drawers with brown paper. Very difficult to walk. I know, the rustling sound kind of gives you away, doesn't it, really? Uh, a lot of people telling us about the original campsite from Finsbury Square. It's now pitched up at Shoreditch. I'd like some confirmation of that, please, if you can, uh, if you can help me out. 84850 uk. Uh, Monique says, um, I've just stopped making soap after five years. I do have a website and would love to be put in touch with Paula. Um, right. Well, I, sh- I shall... Yes, I'll, I'll see if I can manage that, actually. I'll, I'll see if I can manage that. And uh, she's, uh, she makes soap, but she makes ornate soaps. Very nice. One was shaped like a guitar. And all sorts of little things. Really nice. Because soap making, it's, it's finding an outlet, isn't it? Finding an outlet for soap making. Do tell us where the protesters have gone, please. I do need to know this morning. I need to know as quickly as possible. And, and one here from uh, Julie, who says, Totally agree, read the crossings. Not enough time to cross. I feel sorry for those who can't walk quicker. I get annoyed at car drivers who beat their horns at pedestrians still crossing, just as the green man disappears. And don't get me started on cyclists who jump the lights. I know. They're very annoying. Although cyclists are always the first one to sort of leap to their own defence. Oh, well, if you were to put up with... No, if there's somebody on a crossing, you wait. You don't weave between them because you can't be bothered to sit there. It's madness. Uh, Molly. Good Lord. Molly Collins. Molly... Sorry, Molly. It just makes me smile. Uh, Who we met on a cruise on the Legend of the Seas. She's a hairdresser from Edgware. And she told me some information. So thank you very much indeed for that. I'm very grateful. I did not know, but uh, I do know. It was a, a, a friend of ours, mutual friend, whose, uh, whose mother has just passed away. On the subject of Shane, he's not necessarily worth 18 million. He's gone bankrupt for 18 million. I, he managed to borrow 18 million for the project. He must have put in a, f- a far smaller amount himself. Yes, he had borrowed heavily, hadn't he, from banks. Either way, 18 million. They must have thought he, had, he, was, he was destined to make money for a, a long, long time. A long, long time. 18 million. Wish my bank manager lend me 18 million. Uh, the Spice Girls made more money because they had writing credits. And, of course, they didn't do covers. Also, weren't they bigger worldwide during their period? I think they might have been. They, they, they'd conquered America, hadn't they? Whereas I don't think Westlife have, have done America. And they managed to get themselves on the writing credits. That was always a bit of a wheeze as far as I was concerned. I was, I was fascinated with how they managed to do that. Because I, I was trying to work out, because, you know, away from that, they weren't writing songs which were half as successful. Uh, I have happy memories, said Lindsley, of the time I owned a bright green wedge, also known as a TR7. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. The only people who hated it were the people who had to service it, because it had twin carbs or something, or twin... I can't remember what it was now. But it, whatever it was, you had to tune it up, and it was quite difficult, and it was a, it was a bit of a pain for a lot of people. Uh, Eddie says... 
Uh, maybe I'm only going by what happens on radio here in America, but I guarantee there are people in your audience who name who know the name of that perpetrator who can't be named and would be glad to reveal it to you anonymously. This is the 15-year-old accused of murder whose uh, name is withheld. The 15-year-old who cannot be named for legal reasons. And I was asking, oh, of course, I mean, put it away, if you put your mind to it, you could find, you could find out just about anything, I would think, uh, especially something like that. I, I would just hope that when this person comes out of prison, people are aware of who they are and where they're going to. Because it, it generally doesn't take too long, doesn't it? The, news, the, the, the newspapers were always the, uh, the first people to, uh, to find out. You're obviously remembering the scene, says Paul. I refer to my first email. The student thing sounds right as well. For some reason, uh, some reason Grosvenor Square in London comes to mind. Do you know, you, you might be right on the Grosvenor Square. You're not, you see, the trouble is all these little things are now nagging at my brain. And as you know, at this time of the morning, it doesn't function particularly well. I mean, it's roughly there, but we don't know where it's, where it's operating from or out of. And so Grosvenor Square, Grosvenor Square riots, water cannon. Is this sounding, is this sounding right? It's getting there slowly but surely. Uh, one here from, from Junior, who says, a minute after the Big Bang, because we were trying to work these, this out the other day on the programme, and it was quite complicated. The universe came along, it was expanding at the speed of light, it was a vast cauldron of superheated gases. When it cooled, we came along about 80 billion years later. It's not only bigger than we can imagine, it's so vast, we can't answer the question as to how big it is, otherwise we'd get a headache. It's not expanding as quickly as it was, it's slowing down, and will eventually shrink back to a single point, the big crunch. But don't worry, we've got 55 billion years to go. I don't think any of us are going to be worrying about that, are we? And uh, Judy says, I'm a member of the Crumblies on Facebook, along with the legendary Norm- Noreen et al. Lovely. That's what we like to hear. So, it's, because I was, I was trying to find out the other day, when we were saying we send up spacecraft, how far out do they go? Do you just keep going and going and going and going? I mean, how big is this place? I, d- I don't know why, but some, for some reason I imagine that we're in a... A cardboard box. <laughs> Don't ask me why I think we're in a cardboard box. But I just imagine there must be an end in sight to it. Daily Mirror, front page, this morning. They're going with the fact that uh, Wayne Rooney has uh, dyed his rather sparse hair again, I'm afraid. A very odd colour. I've got no idea, no idea why. Uh, Westlife Shane goes bankrupt to the Queen of Darts. It's Prince William's uh, wife, Kate, and together with the Queen. I think they were up in uh, Nottingham or something like that, but apparently they went down really, really well. Huge crowds out there. Very, very happy. I like to see this throughout the country. And uh, William told Kaylet Smedley, 80, and husband Ronald, we've still got a long way to go. Are you still speaking to each other? Uh, they're still speaking to it. They still chat away. It's lovely. The Queen looked really happy, and uh, Prince Philip not there. Not uh, not still 100% back to normal, but getting there slowly but surely. Uh, also, Mick and Mairead Philpot ordered to stay away from the funeral of the six kids, uh, as I believe they're in custody at the moment. There's no chance they're actually going to be going down there. The reason we said earlier on that uh, it's not advisable is that there will be some people who have decided that they're guilty already and will go down and cause trouble, and it's the funeral of six children. And the police don't want any disruptions at all. They don't want anything like that. It's, uh, their, their bodies are going to be buried. Uh, I can't remember when it is, actually. It might be later on today or certainly at some point this week. And uh, they've been denied access to the funeral because the, the policing of it, people will be shouting obscenities. And as far as I'm concerned, it's disrespectful to the funeral of the, of the six children who died. So for that reason... The courts have decided quite wisely that they should not be allowed to attend the funerals. Queen looking very happy on the front of the Daily Express this morning. 
really looking happy. I've never seen her smile so much together with Kate. Uh, the fact that the Express have said that we have three months of rain in three days and we've probably got storms this afternoon. Plus, they say scientists are close to an Alzheimer's breakthrough. You'll find that in the, uh, the Daily Express. The sun here... It's uh, Vauxhall sponsoring England, but stops the workers watching uh, Euros. And another picture of Wayne Rooney, who's looking a little bit like a Madame Tussauds glove puppet. Inside, Wayne Rooney and Chav wife, Colleen. She arrived by private jet in Krakow because she doesn't want to travel those other wags, does she? Who all apparently went on EasyJet. Far bit from me to make a comment after that. Uh, the Daily Mail, finally on the front page, the full extent of how thugs on electronic tags routinely breach their curfews to commit more crimes is exposed today. No doubt something that Nick Ferrari will be talking about after the news at seven o'clock. Have a lovely day. I hope you have a really, really nice day. It's sunny this morning, so get out there and enjoy a little bit of the, uh, of the weather. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between four and 6.30. I'll tell you who's going to be on In Conversation this week. Cracking one this week. Really, really good one. It's, uh, I think it's an all-girls one. Actually, I might be wrong. It might not be an all-girls one. I'll tell you tomorrow morning who's doing that. Don't forget, we'll have a free podcast for you up within about half an hour. I'm going to be rude about lots of celebrities. I can't help it. It's in my nature. And I get paid for telling you how, how awfully I think they are performing, I'm afraid, especially after The Only Way is Essex yesterday. So we'll mention them. Have a lovely day. Nick and the team with you after seven. Coming up next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. Vitabiotics believe your joints deserve...